Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? Oh, it's going okay. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, there, it was mostly a, a good news week for me. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like, it was an energizing right. news week, which is a weird thing to say. We're going to talk about some of the different stuff that, that, uh, that the TV news this week. But I want to, I feel like we should start with the tears, sadness, uh, news of, uh, playing house was canceled this week which just you know we got our our rom-com episode uh with uh with keegan michael key and with jessica st Clair, but like in season two but i feel like we never got like the full like payoff partner episode to that yeah. one and that makes me kind of sad because i was assuming that was coming next season yeah, no, I, 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 I think that's a fair assumption to make that we were going to get that next season, and now we'll just have to head cannon it. Yeah, just head cannon. Like, I need the fan artists out there. We need yeah. more Keegan Michael Key in a tuxedo. Yeah, oh, preferably well, always. lit by always. twinkle lights. You know, if yeah. we can do the Christmas lights for that, I feel like that would be a good thing. Um, and that, or like, uh, I want some fan art of of their wedding with mm-hmm. like Bocephus as. Uh, Maid of honor, I guess, but officiator, officiant. Oh, that's yeah. good. I like it. I like it. Bocephus is the officiant, and uh, Bird Bones uh, is yeah. maid of honor, and right. Zach Woods' character, best man, because yeah. we don't know anything, <laughs> anything about King of Michael Key's character, <laughs> like his family. He, he, he has no life. Yeah, he has no life outside these two women. Yeah, it's None. really just, and then, then formally Tina. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's about it. So, anyways, uh, <laughs> we we will miss playing house. Uh, but it it says the thing is, I'm just saddened that it's been canceled. But frankly, it got terrible ratings. Like nobody watched it. Uh, yeah. Every with like every single person who did watch it that I knew loved it. But like I'm just I was grateful we even got a second and third season. So yeah. while I'm sad, I'm not that torn up about it because I'm not super surprised. Right, and uh, USA is still in that weird sort of transitionary state of, like, we have a new slogan and everything, guys, and we need to, like, completely rebrand ourselves again. Mm-hmm. And they're still figuring that out, though I am sort of vaguely excited about Damnation, so. Okay, see, I don't, what is this one? Uh, it's said in the 1930s, um, a preacher leads a small town against, the like, um, against, like, industrial leaders and um, some government folks who are, like, coming in to take over the town. Okay. And it sounds and looks sort of like interesting. Um, and it very much fits with their We the Bold um, thing that they started with uh, Mr. Robot, but have never done anything else with <laughs> since then. Um, colony, I suppose, a little bit. But yeah, no, it's in this, it's very much in sort of an activist um, sort of drama okay. vein, uh, but set in the 30s um, in sort of like a Western sort of thing. It looks, it looks interesting. There, there seems to be like a little bit, maybe too much going on, but I'm sort of, I'm sort of intrigued all the same. Yeah, fair enough. That does sound interesting. And uh, we will keep our ears uh, uh, to the ground on that, that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. There's so many premieres. Yeah. Oh, man. 
but we'll we'll see how it, uh, see what we think of that one as it gets closer and where USA is headed next. Um, also, this week we had a new. A diversity report on writing rooms, writer rooms in um, writers rooms, I should say, in Hollywood, and the that was uh, written up in, in Variety. Uh, what what was the takeaway? I th- I think we'll all be shocked to find that what what is it, Noel? Right. So um, the report looked at um, 234 scripted comedy and drama series from 18 different networks um, from last last season's um, slate of programming. Um, ABC, ABC, sorry, AMC um, had the worst on an overall inclusion considering both race and gender, mm. uh, which is great. And then CBS and CW had a quote unquote black problem because they lack black writers. Um, and then something like, I want to say 90% of showrunners across the 18 networks that were studied were white and 80% of those were men. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, well, not great, everyone. Not great. And I think it was like maybe 18 to 20%, maybe like 17% of them, of rooms only had a single black writer. And that writer did not really have much say in the creative process. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, so basically, not good. <laughs> it will shock you, listeners, yeah. that the lack of diversity represented on screen uh, is in some way likely tied to the lack of diversity elsewhere. And what just because yeah. you're seeing a, an, an increase in diversity on screen does not mean that, that comes uh, in any way tied with uh, a greater diversity in the hiring practices elsewhere. Um, in Hollywood, and you need look no further than everyone's favorite exchange from Project Greenlight, uh, the most recent Project Greenlight. Uh, that was still such a, I think that was the highlight of that whole season, was that exchange with uh, Matt Matt Damon mansplaining how diversity only matters when it's on screen <laughs> to Effie Brown. Uh, that was still uh, absolutely delightful. And, and it just, it spoke then, and that continues to speak now to how many consider uh, diversity and what it needs, uh, what that means and what the priority is. And like, just as we're seeing with this continuing discussion around, uh, sexual harassment in, in Hollywood and elsewhere, it's just that it matters who is in power. It matters who are the gatekeepers are, and it matters who, um, who who is, feels like they have enough security and support in their team to be able to, in this case, speak up in writers' rooms and offer differing opinions. Um, it, or, you know, if we talk about one of our other favorite things in TV from last year, to speak up and say, no, you really shouldn't kill this queer character, and certainly not in this way. You know, yeah. like, if you if you have people in the writers' rooms that uh, come from different backgrounds, that doesn't mean that they necessarily are in a position where they can actually speak up and voice different opinions or voice objections. And that uh, also, of course, translates to, you know, hashtag me too. And the bombshells that came out this week with that, uh, I don't think that's too much of a hyperbole when you're talking about Kevin Spacey. So uh, let's, let's lift, let's raise a glass to Anthony Rapp for coming out with his uh, allegation towards Kevin Spacey, which just kind of opened the floodgates. I was waiting for that because we, of course, Sunday night, as we were recording earlier this week, um, his piece came out on BuzzFeed News. And so I was waiting for, okay, when's the next one? Because there's never just one, right? 
and it took a few days, but I'm guessing the reason it took a few days is because of the heavy amount of sourcing. And I think also people didn't necessarily expect that one to come yeah. next. I think they expected other people, Brian Singer, allegedly, to, to you know, break first. Um, and, and we're seeing that with some of the other reporting. Like uh, this week, there was a lot of allegations against Brett Ratner. Um, and the, the latest update on that is that, is it the LA Times is now reviewing allegations from 45 more people against yeah. Brett Ratner, but they can't write up a piece about it until they verify and support yeah. all they have to go. Through. So it takes a while. Um, so I guess, it, it, no, I guess we should probably say for those who somehow missed this, what, what was the deal with Kevin Spacey and with Anthony Rapp's piece on Sunday? Well, he didn't write it, but his yeah. allegations. Right, so Rap alleges that when he was 14 and uh, acting uh, opposite Spacey... Um... Not acting opposite. They were just oh. both on Broadway at the same time. Oh, both on Broadway at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, like, made a pass. Um, Rap stops short of calling it assault um, at a party. But but it is, guys. It is. Yeah. <laughs> he put him on a bed and climbed on top of him. Right. So I don't know what else you would call that. But anyways. And then like more allegations came forward, including like one, I want to say today that was published in uh, New Yorker um, from someone who um, asked to be not identified, remain anonymous, um, who was uh, a student in a class that Spacey was teaching when Spacey was like 24. Mm -hmm. um, that came forward like yesterday or today. And so everything has kept building. And the result has been that like Netflix sort of just canceled House of Cards, which is a decision that they claim they made months ago. And then yeah. we went, no, you, you wouldn't do that months ago and then not give your second original program. But the one that everyone remembers, yeah. um, uh, n nothing without a swan song season type of announcement type thing. So and yeah. they've also like suspended production on the current season. Yeah, they were gonna like they're saying they were gonna end after six seasons no matter what, which would have been at the end of this next season that they're currently yeah. starting to film. Um, and I think they thought they could get away with that when it was just these allegations of previous bad acts. When you have yeah. eight members of your staff and former members of your staff come out and say that, no, your star was sexually harassing me and, you know, touching me inappropriately while I worked there and I couldn't say anything or I'd get fired. And guess what? I no longer work there. Right. Um, <laughs> then, then, yeah, you got to suspend current filming. <laughs> Yeah, and the idea that this is, like, the end of the road, that this was not a last-minute decision seems a little weird, considering the fact that the guy who created the original House of Cards was really sad about this one getting canceled, to which I promptly went, well, of course he is, because that royalty <laughs> check goes away. Yep. And if he knew it was going to happen, then he wouldn't be sad about it, necessarily. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the piece, especially... the. Piece from Anthony Rapp was, I, I thought, really um, courageous for him to come out with that because, again, like yes, there's he, he was inspired by all of the the people staring, sharing their stories around uh, Me Too, but like look, the stature of those two actors is very different. As yeah. much as you know, I love Rent, and Anthony Rapp was an original cast member of Rent. I love those that music, and I have that uh, CD, and I cherish it, but. For a lot of people, they're like, some guy on Star Trek 
versus right. Kevin Spacey, you know. So so I thought it was really uh really amazing that he came out with his story. That just opened up the ability for other people to talk about this. And also the conversation around assault of men uh, is, is another thing that really needs to, I think, should be represented in all of this stuff, this conversation happening right now around har- harassment and assaults um, in general, but specifically in Hollywood as well. So I'm glad that this has encouraged other men to come forward as well with their stories because they're getting harassed too. They're getting assaulted yeah. too. It's not just powerful men harassing women. Um, it's a lot more complicated than that. So uh, yeah, I was very glad that that is that, that, that all that came out this week. We also had some truly disgusting stories um, uh, that I say stories because, you know, they're allegations currently but I believe them <laughs> about Dustin Hoffman, uh, Brett Ratner, as I said, Jeremy Piven. I saw this week the um, was it Colbert pulled Jeremy Piven, who was supposed to be coming on, and replaced him with Ronan Farrow. <laughs> I was like, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> I, I missed that, actually. Um, but yeah, no, it's just dominoes are falling. Yeah. And everyone you thought you liked and some people you knew you didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> um, just like, oh, well, all your favorites are complicated. And all the people you don't like, really, really terrible already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just because they're your favorites, you don't actually know them. Yeah. So- someone can be an amazing artist and also a rapist. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, like, the one doesn't... Exclude know, the other. Exclude the other. Um, and, yeah, I also, for the people out there starting to get, trying to get like starting to get tired of this or feel like it's so exhausting it's all like imagine what all the people who are dealing and living with this stuff every day feel like oh yeah. boo hoo i'm there's so i don't like having to hear about all these stories of harassment really guys another one's like yeah well this is what people are living with every yeah. day so i know that like it seems like a lot you're late to the party we like okay i'm glad you're here i'm glad you're at the party <laughs> But how about, you know, you just breathe it in, get a sense of what's going on and and uh, uh, hold off on your on your do we have to keep talking about this? Because, yes, yes, apparently we do. Um, any other any other uh, thoughts on, on these allegations? I, the, I, I got to say the one I keep waiting for and I already hinted towards it is there have been allegations about Brian Singer. For many, many years, I keep waiting for that one to break. Do you have other ones that that you're that you would feel comfortable saying that you're curious have not broken? We saw Alec Baldwin act like proactively came forward and said that right. he's been sexist and misogynistic before, and he yeah. But that. we also already knew that. We already about... knew that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of that like tack of being like, I know there are people who have stories about me, so I'm just gonna get ahead of this. I mean, it allows them to get folded into the news cycle without having to, like, get press attention about it. Mm-hmm. And it sort of, like, preempts any attention to them. Um, it's it's a much better way than uh, Spacey's whole, I'm going to come out as a gay man after I've been accused of pedophilia. I'm going to be like, well, you know, I was drunk and, I, and uh, yeah. I'm gay, so you know what that means. I, I, right. <laughs> the, the queer community's response to that was immediate it was it was it was like just as one voice get the 
fuck out of here with that bullshit. Did you see yeah. the um the gift that was going around Twitter of um Spacey comes out to the comes comes out and it was like the Rafiki and Simba moment. Uh, mm-hmm. only he's like only then somebody had animated it so Rafiki throws Simba off screen. <laughs> it was I did delightful. not see that, but that's amusing. Yes, it was hunted out, listeners. You will not, you will not be disappointed. Um, yeah, I, I hope that we can, you know, until there aren't more stories to tell, until there aren't more uh, powerful, powerful people exploiting their position um, to, to, to abuse others and uh, abuse their power. I, I hope we can continue to have updates on this for the foreseeable future. I'm not tired of talking about it. No, no, we shouldn't get tired of talking about it because um, it's important to keep going on with this and highlighting everything. So yeah, and if people want to talk and want to tell their stories, I want to listen. So um, yeah, indeed, uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what next week brings. But for now, uh, we should move on with the podcast. At the end of the show this week, we're talking Stranger Things season two, uh, which uh, I'm certainly looking forward to talking. I have I have thoughts, Noel. I I have significant thoughts about this season um, and certain characters, perhaps in and perhaps out of character behavior. They threw Dustin under the bus. That's what I'm saying. I'm just, they, anyways, you y'all know I'm hashtag team Dustin. So we'll talk about that at the end of the hashtag show. Hashtag team Steve. Well, yeah, obviously. It's just so weird. Yeah, it's but very yeah, we'll weird. <laughs> More on that at the end of the podcast. <laughs> but uh, first, let's uh, we'll go to our weekend TV. So let's listen to some more music, and y'all know it's going to be Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And we'll be right back with our weekend comedy. That was I Go to the Zoo from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, this week in comedy and reality, we're going to talk a bit about Mom, or actually we, Noel's going to talk a bit about Mom, um, which had a season five premiere, Twinkle Lights and Grandma Shoes. Then I'll talk a little bit about Lee Remini Scientology and the aftermath, Lifetime of Healing. We'll move on to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Josh is a liar. Uh, there's no exclamation point, but I feel like there should be some level of intensity there. I don't know. We'll- yeah talk about that in a moment um as well as blackish public fool and we'll round things out with the i guess mid-season finale of the good place Derek. uh so first up mom now we've talked about this a bit on the podcast recently know that you've been catching up with mom um how did you feel about this season five premiere has the show pivoted again or is it at this point just really comfortable and, and playing to its strengths I think it's actually pretty comfortable, though. Like, there was a change in, like, the opening title sequence um, that included uh, pictures of Marjorie, Wendy, and Jill. 
Um, and they get rid of the family portrait. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which basically tells you, I think, everything you need to know about the fact that the show has changed drastically from season one, um, which is a thing that you can normally say about most shows in their fifth season, that they're not, especially sitcoms, that they're not quite what they were in their first season. But this is just a show that changed really quickly over the course of seasons two and three, especially. And so now that it's mom, but <laughs> it, it doesn't the, the whole premise of like it's three generations of young of mothers who have made decisions um, is sort of like not really the point of the show anymore. And you could just call it group at this point and it would work just as well. Um, but no, the premiere was fine. Um, they have um, Bonnie Adam proposing to Bonnie and Bonnie, of course, having various hangups about being proposed to and what that means and how she can handle being in a relationship with Adam or being in a relationship with anyone really. And, but it, it, they figure out a way to just do a long engagement and <laughs> I, which was the solution the entire time, but it, it's still a very good episode. And Janie's really good. Um, the only thing that's a little weird is um, Jamie Presley is character. Uh, Jill is in a fat suit. <laughs> um, that, for the like, episode never goes well right it doesn't go well and she's doing it out of like stress eating but it's also done for behind the scenes reasons because jamie presley was actually pregnant mm -hmm. and like i think she just gave birth like last month um so she would have been like really hella pregnant when they started yeah. filming <laughs> and so that's sort of how they're like dealing with that other because i think it would have just been really difficult to hide her constantly behind the table mm-hmm um for as long as they were going to uh but it it's not a great fat suit it's like almost monica geller flashback levels yeah and so it's a, it's a little weird um so it was it was a sort of like i don't know quite why we're doing this exactly and then i found out why they were doing it but i was also just like this seems like a choice that mm -hmm. we didn't necessarily need to make but we're gonna make anyway and it's like it's pretty extreme so i just kind of went Okay, um, I guess we'll see how this plays out. Like, I mean, the show has enough deafness that they could probably find a way to do something good with it, but we'll see. Um, yeah, the only other thing I've noticed is that Christy passed her LSATs with an average score, Ooh. which means, she, yeah, which means that she can get into a just above not terrible law school. So mm. she's very excited. <laughs> yes, excellent. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's very nice. I I've it's fine. I'm trying to keep track of these names because I've seen only a handful of episodes of Mom. Yeah. I watched the very beginning of the series and then I've checked in a couple of times and been like, oh, it's pivoted very nicely. Yeah. But like just like yeah. you were saying previous times we've talked about it. Um, but I don't know who Jill is. I don't think I've seen Jill. Yeah, <laughs> so. Jill's Jamie Presley's character. She shows up in like season three, I think, like okay. recurring a little bit. She's like super well off and really rich. Um. And has gone to rehab, like, the nice rehab, like, multiple times. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, so her she became a regular in, like, season four, like, super quietly. And it was just like, okay. But that's how everyone on this show works, is that mm -hmm. everyone becomes a regular very, very quietly. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I always enjoy her performances, yeah. so yeah. I'm sure she's an excellent addition. And I, I've not, I have no idea who Bonnie's fiance is, Adam. I don't know who that is. So what uh, yeah. I'm saying is, I need to yeah. catch up with the show or just dive in. Can I, I can just dive in, right? You can probably just dive in. Like um, a lot of the stuff, I think, generally works without you having been aware of the fact that the show's pivoted as much as it has. Um, but if you do feel like watching, uh, first four seasons are up on Hulu. But yeah, no, it's it's really good. I really enjoy it. Ah, excellent. Well, um, I'm glad that it had a strong premiere. Uh, I also wanted to mention here, uh, you know, at the top of the segment that uh, Lee Remini, Scientology in the Aftermath, had a, had a terrific episode this week as well, Lifetime of Healing. Now, normally, I wouldn't talk about the show two weeks in a row because you don't watch it and uh, because there's only so much to say about this very similar format every week. Uh, the reason I wanted to mention it this week, it was a particularly strong episode. Um, it, that was because... Normally on the show, Lee Remini and Mike Rinder interview people who have left Scientology, who have uh, who who want to tell their stories, and often they'll tie like significant elements of that person's story to a discussion of a different element of Scientology that has not been particularly spotlit on the series before. This episode is different um, because this episode is Remini talking and Rinder talking with two of Remini's like best friends for her child from her childhood who are also in Scientology and also left mm -hmm. the church at different times but the three of them each left the church at very different times um, and had different histories with it so when they left the church she disassociated from them um, and so yeah, they sure. talking about some of that experience and what that meant and um, the years apart you know, even despite having been these so incredibly close and what that what that experience was like for the two, like from Remini's perspective as someone who was still in the church and and like, so, yeah, it was it was really interesting. And I, I was grateful that they did an episode with that kind of personal connection to it, because the uh, there weren't the same some of the abuses of the church and the hardship that so many people who have left Scientology have faced. There were some of that, but it wasn't the extremes of so many other people's stories. Instead, it was like you got a real, real sense of that personal connection and, and the effects of being in versus out of, of Scientology on connections and relationships. Usually when they interview people, they just interview that person, maybe their spouse, but they don't usually get that perspective from people who were who were good friends with them or family before and after and like how that their relationship changed over time through it so it was a really neat thing to do and you know it's it's i can't like i can't imagine having that kind of baggage and and asking to have that baggage aired on tv you know what i mean yeah. Um, so I'm sure that there's, it's elements are sanitized and they don't, they don't get into anywhere near the intensity of what it must've been like, they, you know, both like, like there's been a lot of like forgiveness on, on that stuff and how bad things may have gotten, but I still appreciated them doing that episode. I also will mention one of the things around, uh, the show this week that, that came up in my newsfeed was that of course, Danny Masterson, from that 70s show, he's currently on the ranch, has been uh, accused of rape by at least four women. And three of them were 
I don't know if they still are, but were in, uh, members of the Church of Scientology at the time. Masterson is a Scientologist. Um, and Remini has interviewed them for the show. But, so I'm guessing they're <laughs> clearly the most former members of Scientology for them to go on Remini's show. But um, they've pulled that episode because they don't want it to impact the court case that is currently pending on Masterson. Um, I think the, the assumption was that it would have progressed through the court system by now, but it has stalled and the charges are not currently going forward. Um, so that is an interesting side note to this season of Scientology in the Aftermath. And that also might explain some of like the, the numbering has been kind of funky. They've moved episodes around in the order. So that yeah. might explain some of that as well. Um, but for people who appreciate this show, just know there's a whole separate episode out there waiting to air once the show and Remini as producers feel like it can air without impacting various pending court cases. Uh, talking about the way that Scientology covers up sexual assault and rape and specifically pertaining to television star and person who continues to work in Hollywood, Danny Masterson. Yeah. I certainly look forward to watching that once it is available, once it can be aired. But uh, it's it's also heartening to know that uh, in the at the end of the first season, they talked about how they, they even met with some attorneys and there was stuff that they wanted to do to try to bring court cases against Scientology and like, things that they could do within the legal system to take on Scientology. But it is heartening to know that that wasn't all... <laughs> smokescreen that yeah. there also is other stuff when they say there's stuff we can't talk about but trust us it is actually happening there there are things pending that we can't talk about but we are trying to do stuff it's nice to know that oh that's not just bs yeah there's at least one thing that they you know that that is pending so we'll see if anything comes of that um but right now let's uh, you know, I'm feeling a little down because of the trauma that these people have experienced. You know, I think I need to do. I think I need to go to the zoo. Do you need to go to the zoo? Is this not your moment? I, I, I might this need moment to go is to the you. aquarium. See, that's we're gonna. Okay, so this we're talking about crazy ex-girlfriend. Josh is a liar. And here's the thing, Noel. I saw a lot mm -hmm. of praise for this episode. I thought it was a terrific episode. Mm -hmm. uh, really, really a great episode. I didn't care for the music that much. Yeah, I didn't either. Like, I go to the zoo is fun. Yeah, But The Moment Is Me did not work for me at all. And I get that she's intentionally, Val Lovell is, is intentionally singing poorly. She can sing much better than that because she's singing in character. Mm -hmm. But it's not interesting to listen to. Like, you immediately, oh, I get it. And then it's so long. It is. It's way too long of a song. Yeah. But I also feel like... I feel also felt like that about I go to the zoo as well. I think yeah. I think both songs are generally fine. I think I like the moment is me more than you did, mm -hmm. but it's also just like neither of the songs are particularly like really catchy for me. And I know like a lot of people enjoyed both of these songs a great deal. Um, and I just kind of went, oh, these are fine. Like uh, Caitlin, who works over at TVGuide.com, is very excited about I go to the zoo. She was like ready to talk about it. I just went, it was fine. I guess, but I also like have hangups about zoos and aquariums because I don't really like either one of them. Um, so I'm just like, I don't, you would go to the zoo. <laughs> I did you, love you white 10. Yeah. White 10. I do think the best part of that though is clearly wait, where's Susan? That was the best <laughs> part of the song. Um, I think that the moment is me would have been way more interesting and 
funny if if she was forced into a musical number where she sounded good, yeah. but the facial expressions and everything out like her performance mm-hmm. matches is like is tells you everything you need to know about how she feels about being stuck in this musical. Yeah. But she's not actually in a musical number there. Right. There's a musical number happening around her mm-hmm. and she's like it's like the contrast of that would be way more entertaining and and there'd be more for her to be upset about. Like then that if 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 she actually was fully participating in in the musical number and also the all the dialogue and the like the the interjections which um were inspired by ad libs that the actress did at the uh at the table read uh, were mm-hmm. just completely bogged it down there was no br- breathing it just there there this song didn't have the space that it needed every there was noise every second of that song and it just it was com- it was like nails on a chalkboard to me and mm-hmm. and not like i i i totally get what they're going for and yeah. there and that approach and so it's not like it's not like I missed the point you know like I see yeah. the point I just don't think it was worth it and I think they could have done that in a better way and if you're gonna have her not really sing it or, or intentionally sing it poorly then I don't also need her to be like oh god I hate this and then sound like clearly oh god she hates this you can tell from her right. voice like. Why would you also muddy up, like sacrifice the pacing of your song? Like when she goes, "Oh, now I'm gonna have let's have a story," and then she has the story. Like, don't tell me what you're about to do, like, and then do it. Just, just do it. Just show me. Don't tell me and show me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's part of the whole parody like send up of it, but it's not, it's not executed well enough to justify anything. Um, even if like I sort of enjoy those asides and everything. But it it does like drag things out and it's not tight enough. Um, and yeah, and I I think a lot of it also just boils down for me at least is on a narrative level that the previously on has to do all the work for us to remember that she's the student because we've never really spent enough time with Heather to justify this song really and this massive potential life change that's about to happen to her. Um, that she's taken every single class um, <laughs> that they offer some more than once and more than twice. Mm-hmm. And that th- th- there's no like necessarily sort of build up or even like time with her to sort of get this. Cause the joke is that Heather is not enthusiastic about graduating, but we, we would have been able to figure that out on our own. She's just enthusiastic about not having like an identity outside of being a student because then there are no expectations. But that doesn't really come through even in the song. Yeah. So it's just sort of, a, it ends up being really flat since we, again, haven't spent the amount of time that we really need to spend with Heather. Well, and it, it, yes, it res- it relates to uh, what's happening with Rebecca in the episode, but it's not a strong enough thematic tie throughout the right. episode for it to gain resonance that way either yeah. and and so it just feels like they needed songs for this one they had like they had used up all their fabulous songs in the previous episode from everything i'm hearing and i don't know if you've 
watched it yet, but apparently as we record, tonight's episode is also amazing. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of great music in tonight's episode, but uh, this really felt like placeholder songs or like we haven't done a blank song in a while, so let's do a blank yeah. song. Um, yeah. And like I go to the zoo is is fine. It's fun. You know, the switch, I go to the aquarium is nice. But again, like you said, it's overly long. But you know what's much, what is much more impressive is the live rendition of Let's Have Intercourse that that actor did at the press event at a press event for uh for Chrissy's girlfriend in New York with the entire cast and he sounds way better live than he did on the show <laughs> does Who he sounds... I yeah I missed that entirely so I didn't know about this yeah no this was a while back um friend of the show Allison Shoemaker linked to the video in her review um mm-hmm. and so that's just how I saw it but because he it, it it lets the actor the actor can be more comedic with it Mm-hmm. Um, and play the, the 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 ridiculousness of the song and with more of a knowing wink than they do on the show because they have Nathaniel be just too deadpan about it and not it, 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 like and try to treat it sincerely and so it's nowhere near as successful. Um, and I was like, well, if he can, he's got better tone quality and control. The rhythm is better. The the sense like not being as tied into exactly like having more freedom with when to come in and out of the song it's much better it's much looser and it it's more charming and uh yeah it's just people (laughs) people it's it's rare when people sound better live than they do when they have you know a certain number of takes um and they have sweetening tools now auto-tune too much auto-tune can just take all the life out of a performance and i kind of think that's what happened on uh the uh the the version that's aired on the show but and it's not like it's perfectly in tune there it's not like a perfect performance but it's just so much more charming so i would recommend if you're a fan of that actor and and nathaniel go seek that out I'll, i'll try to remember to put a link in the show notes um because that like maybe maybe he'll do I'll, I go to the zoo live and I'll be more compelled by it. Who knows? Sure. <laughs> Who knows? Um, how did you feel about like the rest of the episode then? Oh, uh, I thought regarding... it was great. Okay, regarding like uh, that Rachel is basically destroying everyone around her. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> yeah. Well, and in her, I loved bringing in her like anxiety personified as her younger self. It was a great yeah. way to to bring that actor back. Um, that was super fun. Like the Nathaniel's having his own crazy girlfriend episode, like in the peripheries. Yeah. And that was super entertaining. I'm loving George as henchman this season. That's mm-hmm. terrific. Um, like watching, watching Donna deal with Donna, Donna and Champlin. Paula, 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 watching Paula come to like, terms with like, this doesn't sound like, like watching her know that something is wrong and just not knowing the full extent of it uh it works well it says a lot about josh that he goes to father bra on this that actually says quite a bit about his character um but um i don't know i i saw some people who were upset with hector and yj for buying in so quickly but i think that they did a good enough job of Picking things for them to specifically interact with that are enough tie in enough to things that Josh has done or that you can buy Josh doing that yeah. that like I thought they, they they threaded that well in that scene. Like the idea that 
Josh does feel like the kind of person who would randomly be an anti-vaxxer. Right. <laughs> like that, like that you can kind of, you can buy that much more than him defrauding NPR or whatever it was. Um, and, uh, and it also speaks to judgy, judgy Wajo, which we already know about. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and Hector being, just being mostly being sad that Josh hasn't listened to his podcast yet. Um, so, so for me that, that stuff worked. And I thought that like this, they really sold Rebecca's fear, her self-loathing and, and, and centering it on that. I thought, I thought really worked. And we'll see in this next episode how Paula actually responds. Cause Rebecca's just assuming everybody hates her and uh, won't, like whereas I see it as Paula needs to talk wants to talk to her because she knows they know stuff is wrong, and not because they think she's a horrible liar and that they all hate her now, but just because that she's upset that Rebecca didn't tell her about this because they're good friends, not because Rebecca's some horrible person. So I don't know. I thought I thought it worked well. What did you think? Well, Rebecca's still sort of a horrible person because remember that she, she's she tells Paula that all, her court case is not good. <laughs> And that there are problems with it when there are, in fact, no problems with this course case because Paula's amazing. And we all know that. Yeah. So, I mean, she straight out lied to Paula again mm-hmm. after just repairing this relationship. And now she's shutting it down again. And I, the amount of times that Paula can forgive someone without needing like lie detectors and people sleeping on a couch is pretty low at this point, I feel like. And I think that that's something that's going to have to come into play with maybe not the revelations, but with how her behavior and what that's doing to them again. And so that's where I get like, I kind of differ from you in regards that I I think Paula will want to talk about it, but I think that it will also involve a significant step back again, maybe. Um, And I, I like to your earlier comment, like I haven't seen this week's episode yet because I don't, let myself watch ahead because then I get them confused when we talk about them <laughs> because of the lag between them. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. Yeah. Um, but everything else worked really, really well. Like um, Josh's friends responding again, I think worked better in part because they, again, pick things like you said that they would latch onto, but also the fact that he just sort of up in the going back to like uh, last week of like, you just kind of like father, son and Holy ghosted us. <laughs> and you, that wasn't great. And so like they have a degree of distrust or like dissatisfaction with him already. So yeah. this sort of like massive WikiLeaks ask sort of thing about him just sort of feeds into their, their paranoia about him. And I, I, I that worked really well for me, I thought. Um, but yeah, listen to Hector's podcast. <laughs> well yeah they're looking yeah. for reasons to be upset with him anyways they're already right off. They are. and it, they like had just read it and yeah. so like like they'd had enough time to stew with it but not enough to really second guess it yet and it was right. like an immediate response and uh you know <laughs> josh is the one that left rebecca at the altar so when he shows up and is like she's nutso and yeah. all these other things like okay but you just dumped her you proposed yeah to her and then didn't show up so how is this all her fault you know um so i I think that again i get where people are coming from and if they if if they maintain that like lack of trust of josh through these next few episodes with his friends i wouldn't buy that but this episode i did um yeah that's um 
we'll see what happens with Paula. I mean, and maybe obviously we have a different perspective than she does because we have more information. But right. clearly the trauma with Robert is really significant. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that I feel like when uh, when Paula knows that will explain a lot and she'll understand. But yeah, we'll see. I like that. I really much. I very much appreciate that the episode acknowledged that when she's like, "Hey, you're gonna sabotage this friendship you've just barely sav- salvaged." <laughs> you yeah. know, I think that was that was smart. So, um, yeah, we should <laughs> like we could talk about this this show all day. Um, any yeah, final but, thoughts on? Well, always remember to pa- pack a pantsuit because you don't. You'll never know. You never know. You never, never know. know. It's really true. You never know. <laughs> um, let's move on to the next episode. That is Blackish Public Fool. Or Blackish talks public school versus private and right. the education system. So, yeah. what did you think? I really liked this episode a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is like the first episode this season um, that I really, really, really have latched on to. Um, I liked their like uh, animated discussion about the history of education within the United States uh, regarding integration and then the de-integration through various other means that just sort of happened. Um, through um, property taxing, through school districting, that kind of a thing. So I enjoyed all of that. Um, but I also enjoyed like the reinforcement of this idea that Junior really likes public school and is happy there and has found a community in which he can say, well, guys, Guardians of the Galaxy takes place across all of time and space, so take a knee. And it's just like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> um yeah when they're discussing what order to watch the MCU movies in that weekend. And it's just like, this is very good. And I like that the show opens up that avenue for him, that this is a positive experience for him in a way that everyone else assumes that it will not be. Um, To the point where they just assume that public school, despite being in a really nice school district, is going to be a terrible space for them. So I just enjoyed that back and forth and everything. And I thought that they got a fair amount of humor out of it while still tackling the issue really, really nicely. Um, So that's how I felt about it. How did you feel about this one? Oh, I, I, you know, I'm going to be a sucker for an episode like this. Uh, yeah, I, th- I have very strong opinions about yeah. uh, charter It's very schools. much in both our wheelhouses. <laughs> yeah, and about about funding for public schools versus private, about funding for uh, uh, religious schools, and mm-hmm. um, all of that. Yeah, I feel very strongly, <laughs> which I don't need to get into here. Uh, but the no, I Kate, liked... I think you do need to get into it here. Tell I... me all your feelings. <laughs> I, I would have liked them to go even further with their animated yeah. segment. I would have liked for them to talk about that, like, the, the most segregated areas, like, schools in this country. New York! New York City is some are some of the most segregated schools in the yeah. United States right now. Um, and it's, so this is not just something that happens in the South or something that happens in conservative, politically conservative areas. Um, right. So I actually wish they would have gone even more uh, like not a lot, but just like at least a, like mention one that. more step, one yeah. more step, because it's it's something that people really like to assume that that the areas that are most affected by racism, intention, like intentional and passive or neglect based, uh, and, and like in education and every other part of life are all in the American South. In like 
there's KKK outposts like in Indiana, in Oregon. There's a bunch. Yeah. Like, like it's not just something that happened that that you need to think about if you live in the southern United States and everywhere else is some utopia. So, um, yeah, I really liked that segment. I liked. I mean, obviously, it plays to my political leanings. So, yeah, I was very happy when he was great at public yeah. school. Like, the, the public school is just fine. It's a good school. They live in a yeah. really expensive school yeah. district. Uh, and this, you know, like, the, 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 it was a real conflict for Bo and Dre to, to deal with and talk about. Uh, but I was very grateful that they came down on the side of private schools and inherently, like, public school isn't inherently some like wasteland of terribleness and that you know it's important to it, like of the various strengths when you're looking at something when you're evaluating who you want to hire when you're evaluating where you want to go to school when you're evaluating all these other elements it's not just where are the best test scores like not being the only black kid in your school also is right. an important thing to factor in that's yeah. very possibly much more important than having the number four robotics team in the country. What is going to affect your kid more in the long term? Who they see in class every day. Yeah. If they're in a bubble versus if they're surrounded by people from different backgrounds, that will affect them more. Unless they maybe unless they go into robotics and are the next czar, like like amazing innovator of robotics. But still, even if they do. That is a very important metric to consider when you're thinking about uh, about your kids and how we're shaping the next generation. So I, I really, I really appreciate that. And it was also just funny. Yeah, <laughs> like it was burying and then unburying, the, the, burying the cloak and then getting the 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 sorry, burying the cape and then getting the cloak. I thought yeah. was was delightful. Yeah, and I enjoyed Jack and Diane's uh, frustration with the fact that. Oh no, dad likes to save money. If this works out for Junior, we're screwed. And <laughs> at the end of the episode, they're just like, we're doomed. And I, I really appreciate that. But I think your point about like diversity, and this is like something that Bo brings up, is that it's just like, he gets exposed to a bunch of different people here. and But he also gets exposed to people who are like him as well. Like mm -hmm. He gets exposed to two other nerds who are black and understand everything that he's talking about and also own harry potter cloaks yeah and it's just it's very reassuring and he's allowed to be who he wants to be there and i think that's really positive and i so i really appreciated the episode's perspective on this yeah definitely um okay let's move to the last episode of our week in comedy and that is the good place derek we had uh our our only, I guess, our final, but for, at least for now, appearance of Jason Manzoukas as Derek. As Janice. Bye, mommy girlfriend! <laughs> yeah, well, but he's not gone. He's as no. dead as he can get, but that's Right, in not... a very remote corner of her endless <laughs> void. <laughs> so we, he can pop up whenever they want him to cameo yeah. again. Um, I thought this was a was a really fun end to the, uh, this like, mid-season, or just how much we're gonna see this calendar year. I no. did have a little trouble buying, like, the constraint, the false constraints put on the character's actions by, we have to act act ethically. No, you don't. Nobody's yeah. saying you have to act ethically. You are choosing to do well, so. because Cheaty is. Cheaty but... wants to act ethically, but, like, there's nobody watching to tell you, you know, like... Yeah. These are these are things you're 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 putting limits you're putting upon yourself, and so when they yeah. pretend like their hands are tied, it was a little frustrating well, for me. 
but ethics are a thing that we put upon ourselves too. So, and like as a group, this is something that we, again, through like forms of contractualism, that this is something that we try to hash out, which is why Michael's just like, but okay, so if murdering is wrong, what if I have to murder to make my life easier? (laughs) (laughs) And so, I mean, it's all, it's all about negotiation about what is acceptable actions among this particular study group, but also Mm -hmm. like what you expect for yourself. And I mean, these are like rules that we place upon ourselves. So it's, it's a weird sort of like meta question of like, we're trying to limit what these characters can reasonably do within the episode, but also to explain the ethical conundrums of what they're dealing with. But also to your point is that there are, there are no points anymore. Like mm-hmm. you're not being evaluated for anything you do here, except for the fact that Chidi would really like for you to behave in an ethical fashion, please. And yeah. thank you. So he does not get a stomachache. <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I, I really liked that. Like, and again, in a very Mrs. Benelli kind of way, yeah. um, the, that, Eleanor shares the tape with Chidi, and we have the yeah. beginnings of that conversation. I thought that was good. Um, I still do, I don't buy the Tahani and Jason thing. I don't, and I'm tired of the show trying to convince me that it's a thing. And like, I'm just like, it doesn't work. It kind of worked, like, initially. Yeah. Opposite to try, like, But to the point where Tahani would accept a marriage proposal? Right. No. Yeah. No show. Um, so that was a bit iffy. Uh, I did very much enjoy. Oh, and also in another finale kind of thing, like the Michael and, and Eleanor conversation that we got it was here, I thought really good. It was terrific, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I like the cliffhanger with Sean. Yeah, <laughs> terrific, absolutely terrific. Um, any other thoughts on this episode? Did, uh, how did you feel about Menzukis's performance? Did it work for you? Was it too much? Yeah, no. It was. I mean, the fact that Derek's supposed to be this sort of like scattered brain seven hour old entity that knows everything and has wind chimes for genitalia um <laughs> i hear wind chimes everybody look away i'm, I'm gonna going keep to watching <laughs> yeah. um god eleanor is so great mm-hmm. but um no i thought it was just a really funny episode and i liked um that it had like little bits of business that were allowed to play quietly like william um Jackson Harper got to do like really confused, distraught faces this entire episode, but they never like gave him like big punch moments with like a camera zooming in on him. It's just always in like a two or three shot. And it's just like, this is very good. And like, like what we were saying, Danson's whole conversation with um, Bell um, at the end of the episode is just really, he's, he's generally, he's genuinely vexed by all of this. And I really like how Danson gets that across and I also like the escalation of all of these terrible things that Eleanor did that are explained in this one conversation of, yeah, your oil light went on and then you just left it. And she just goes, of course. And it's just like, this is very good. <laughs> I thought we were going to end the episode. The cliffhanger was going to be that we were going to meet the voice in Eleanor's head from right. a good place, you know, mm-hmm. of the actual good place or something. Yeah. So I, I, I still think that that is something that is headed our way at some point. Mm-hmm, I feel like mm-hmm. that could be a lot of fun. Um, but no, I, yeah, the way that they've recentered the show around, like, made it such an ensemble show, but then recentered a lot of it around the Michael and Eleanor relationship as very flawed, a very flawed person trying to be better and uh, a demon. A demon. <laughs> a demon in that, like, following that example. And right. I, I thought it was an excellent thing to point out as well because. She is, because that's the premise of the show is that she's terrible, 
but she yeah. is always striving on the show in a yeah. way that doesn't fit with her past behavior. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was a nice thing to lampshade as well. Yeah, it is. And it, it, it really sort of, even though I felt like the season is sort of like stalled a little bit um, plot wise, as we sort of, like recalibrate a little bit to get Michael integrated into the group. And I've been sort of frustrated with the fact that Vicky is not the antagonist. I was hoping that they were going to set her up as, yeah. um, because Vicky's a Ferrari and she needs to be able to go, um, <laughs> that this, the, the, these, this episode and then Michael and Janet have sort of like reaffirmed what works about the show in a lot of ways for me. So I'm hoping that the back half of the season just is like nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. And everything starts to like really click into place. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I mean, it's still a terrific show, and it's had like the heights of the season have been really strong. Yeah. Um, and they did peak down a little bit, and then then gain steam again with a yeah. terrific little stretch of episodes here before the maybe the last episode and a half been a little weaker. But um, yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, it's it's such a fun show. I laugh every time, and like when I when we say that. Usually, like, I don't laugh out loud watching TV. So if I say that I laughed, mm -hmm. that is significant. <laughs> I don't know about you, but for me, that's significant. And I, I almost always laugh out loud watching Good Place. It's, I'm going to miss it while it's on hiatus. Yeah, I think the only other show that makes me laugh out loud as much as Good Place is Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which mm -hmm. you got to see this week, and I did not. Yes, but more on that next week. For now, yeah. what wins your week in comedy and reality? Uh, well, I want to give shout-outs to uh, Superstore, uh, which is which you didn't get a chance to watch this week um but was pretty funny as um amy and jonah attempt to create a healthcare system for the store <laughs> that ends up just being a pyramid scheme that doesn't work um mm -hmm. it's very very good and really gets at why healthcare is a much more complicated issue than anyone ever knew anyone um, no one ever knew it no, no one ever knew it no. um and speechless dealt with shipping in delightful ways um this week as well but um i think i'm going to give my week this week to uh the good place i want to say okay. um yeah just again just for everything that was happening with um jason and not jason but uh janet and Derek was just delightful uh what about you what won your week this week in comedy and reality in reality, I, I'm going to give it to Craziest Girlfriend because okay. despite having like frustrations with the music this week, I really did like the episode. I thought it was such a terrific, um, like the writing and the performance for, for Rebecca, uh, I thought was terrific throughout and really captured that, like, because she, she goes in waves um, yeah. with her basically with her brain chemistry and because she still is off of her meds um and and so this manic paranoid version of rebecca that pops up every now and again and is just in full force here i thought they did a terrific job showing showing that and but and also respecting it and showing how you could still be a highly functioning person and juggling the, all this like insane like just crazy <laughs> shouldn't use that word <laughs> this this massive the whole situation's a lot more nuanced than it's that, a Kate. lot more nuanced than that. um this massive just tangle of dread anxiety paranoia while also seeming externally to be have everything together so uh mine again goes my pick goes to craziest girlfriend we'll take a break now listen to some more music and come back with our weekend drama and genre Hmm. 
All the Pretty Horses by Copeland, by Aaron Copeland, um, which was referenced in Queen Sugar. That's what the song they play on the piano. And uh, this week in Drama and Genre, we're going to talk about this week's episode of Queen Sugar. It's probably last week's as well on These I Stand. Then we'll have Supergirl, The Faithful, The Flash, Elongated Journey into Night, Arrow, Reversal, and we'll run things out with Star Trek Discovery, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. They are still enjoying their lengthy which is a bit over the top um, titles on Star Trek Discovery. But first up is Queen Sugar. And so, so Noel, now that you're caught up, just all of the tears or just most of the tears? Uh, most of the tears, yeah. um, but also sort of like frustrations as well, because mm-hmm. um, I feel like this is sort of, it feels overly manufactured to me. Mm-hmm. And I was really frustrated with that reveal of, well, maybe Blue's not your kid. Yeah. And I just went, but but I don't need this right now. <laughs> I have enough issues with Roth Angel right now that I don't need a position in which he behaves in a way that makes sense, but is also just like piles onto his sort of degrees of emotional immaturity. And so this just feels like a conflict for the sake of conflict as we go into like the last couple episodes of the season um to drive some other things and maybe to get darla like off the show in some capacity or back to the periphery yeah yeah and i'm just i'm sort of frustrated by that because there's so much other stuff that's interesting in having ralph angel try to navigate his just basic in again his emotional immaturity to handle like decisions that Darla's made in the past um and then like how her program works and Mm -hmm. just that sort of thing is enough but to pile on this sort of like potential paternity issue just again it feels like a little overly forced in in a way that the show typically avoids really really nicely but this just feels like too high of a thing to for them to do so while i sort of was screaming at the screen and then at you and text (laughs) message i was also just like but i don't really need that um but i liked how it played out in this week's episode with darla talking to darlene uh which i i appreciate them naming them so closely so i will always remember her her (laughs) mom's name um and then like their discussion about their struggles with sobriety but also like their acknowledgement of how ralph angel does legitimately need space to deal with this yeah i i had some trouble with it uh but a different trouble for you for me um while i think it was beautifully played by everybody involved yeah uh, on screen in this episode um i first of all i don't like really tired of shows doing this whole like maybe it's not your kid i slept with a person once and I got pregnant. Like, that's yeah. not how trying to get pregnant works for almost everybody. Like, it can happen. But, yeah. like, if you like if you had an extended affair with someone, then that's much more likely than if you slept with a person or, like, had, you know, in this potential case, you, potential partners. Mo- multiple partners one time yeah. versus you were having an extended long-term relationship with 
frequent one can assumes uh uh frequent you know sexual interactions with them it's much more likely that they're the person that you're pregnant by um however i have no trouble buying that that is darla's response to it like and that she's so concerned like well it's very unlikely for her the fact that it could at all be the case is what she's focused on you know um so that wasn't the issue for me the the issue i was having is that this really affects previous interactions with them this affects their proposal scene did the actors know about this did well did um the actor playing darla specifically know about this when they were filming that scene because like this feels like it came out of nowhere for that performance of darla right yeah it 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 comes from it comes with the parents and that's why it's there yeah because they know or think they know and it's just like and it's the kind of thing that should have been informing their dynamic for for a while. And yeah, at and, least this season, especially. Yeah, and it could be something that that as viewers we attributed to her like reticence over her sobriety or these other issues, and then you find this out, you go, "Oh, that's why," you know, like or or like the the tension around her former John, like. And then when you find this out, you're like, oh, that clicks into place. That's what that was about. Like, that's what it should have been. And here, when the parents come into town, it's just all of a sudden, he needs to know. Yeah. You know, like that, again, very well executed, but it it, it feels like this is this is a, a show that's, that is at, operating at a level that I expect more careful handling of, of something this significant. Yeah. For the characters, or that they're playing as the significant, um, and yeah. I think you can point to a different element of the show as nailing that, and that's the stuff with Vi and her lupus diagnosis. That I think they've handled really, really well. How did that yeah. work for you? No, it worked really, really well, um, and gut wrenching and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciated um, how they played that scene with her in Hollywood. Yeah, um, with like. No, I'm not an idiot. I know prescriptions come in a white paper bag. And they don't yeah. just... Vitamins yeah, don't like, come in a white bag. Right. And this is how that works. So, A, we need to, like, discuss this. Two, you're not a Leanne. Mm-hmm. And, which I think was, I, like, again, I yelled at the TV, Vi, no. <laughs> and just like, this is very different. Yeah. And... But it makes sense for her to not... Right, it does. It makes like perfect that. sense. Yeah. Right, but I also like I also very much appreciated Hollywood as an outsider going, yeah, we need to tell everyone because look what happens to this family. <laughs> <laughs> I love that his family can't handle secrets. Right, you guys it's are terrible like, secrets. You guys are very bad at this. <laughs> you should never ever keep anything from anyone. This is bad. Yeah. So we're going to tell them. Yeah. Because otherwise. It's just going to get really bad really quickly. And so I really appreciated Hollywood going like, we're going to tell everyone I'm going to be here for you for basically the rest of our lives. So get with the program. And it's like, this is very good. This is exactly what Vi also like needs, I think, as well as like a stabilization point. And Hollywood is nothing really, if not like a rock of stability in a lot of ways, Um, even if he goes out on a rig. Um, so I, I really appreciated how all of that played out. Um, uh, how did um, Charlie's uh, business uh, dealings uh, go for you this week? Her f- 
beating a Landry with a Landry. The um, and especially in the atmosphere of hashtag Me Too, all of the uh, inappropriate behavior from uh, that just like just jumped right off the screen there. Uh, I also really appreciated Char like the notion that Charlie hasn't been dealing with this kind of thing as a businesswoman in a predominantly male dominated field. Uh, just as as an agent, a sports mm-hmm. agent, but like like being around, just constantly Men, around yeah. owners and athletes and, and like male professional male athletes. You know, like she knows how she knows what she's doing. Um, yeah. So so I appreciated that uh, back and forth, and that of course Remy because of who he is says like yeah you might be right i'm I probably i might be overreacting um but that doesn't change how i feel you know like so yeah. it, it was nice it was wonderful to see him respect her in that uh while also still you know being upset and frustrated by it uh we'll see what happens with that i also really appreciated that unlike certain other shows supergirl they're having the kid conversation right away because that is what grown ass people of their age right do <laughs> they talk about when they're starting to get serious if one of them knows that he wants kids that's a conversation they need to have sooner rather than later because they can't wait forever to have those kids if they're gonna have them so that needs to be a thing that you make sure you're on the same page about right away so that's where i'm at with that one and 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 watching um what like seeing charlie react to that and like that she doesn't want she doesn't want more kids um, but maybe she's willing to go through all that again with Remy. And if she, she would love the kid if she had the kid, but like be a big change. You know, she yeah. thought she was done with that part of her life. So I, it's interesting to see it get, not just have be a conversation of, I know I want kids. I know I don't want any more kids done. Yeah. And that's, and that's the extent of the conversation too. Yeah. So, so I, it's nice, nice to see that the show is still continuing to explore that. And they'll, I'm sure they'll have her decide. Um, yeah. pretty soon but that was that was a neat uh hand, way to handle that and, and certainly contrasted with what we saw from nova earlier in the season and that takes me to nova and i'm hardcore not hardcore but pretty seriously shipping her and lady who gave her a hard time uh <laughs> so, so we'll <laughs> see yeah if, yeah yeah we'll see if that comes up again um but you know it's really making me making me appreciate the time that they spent with that relationship uh with the guy i can't remember his name robert Robert, yes uh with with nova and robert because it was this was the on paper perfect guy um and so showing showing that not working even though it's we're all like yelling at the screen this is a keeper come on are you kidding me and but I, i think they they spent a lot of time on that, and I think that is paying off now. Uh, as yeah. we see her, like, oh, I felt so bad. Like, the, the jewelry, you know? Just hacking the jewelry. Um, but, but like, her returning to her community and, like, the, the, the crack about not being followed by a camera crew. They made sure they showed her chasing after camera crews at, at her different volunteer things previously. So I thought, thought that that had been, again, c- contrasted with the Starless stuff, much more... Uh, carefully arc constructed through through the the season and it's something that i was certainly appreciating here yeah and i i think it works even if i don't necessarily agree with sort of the antagonism of it of Mm -hmm. like you can't do both and i'm just sort of like 
I think you can do both. Yeah, and... I don't think Mia's supposed to be right there. Right, and I, I think that the forcefulness of the argument is supposed to, like, hide the fact that, no, I'm pretty sure you can do both, even if what Nova was doing was overly sensationalistic in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, it's still, you can do both, and I think both can, I think both can function well, and I just think that the aggressiveness is supposed to belie the fact that no this is a fallacy guys mm -hmm. um well not like a classical fallacy but this is not this is not correct <laughs> yeah yeah and and there to be some truth in that but not absolute truth in it which right. is usually where the show lives so um yeah. any final thoughts on queen sugar or is it superhero time um how did you feel about um everything with micah uh as micah uh progresses with this uh civil war um display at the school and uh how charlie is sort of like oh well, it kind of is how it is it sucks and we change it in other ways but mm -hmm. you just kind of have to deal with it sometimes too yeah no i thought that was terrific i like and the idea of micah just realizing for the first time having having walked past this so many times but never really looked i right. thought was a, a organic way to bring this in to yeah. the season uh that generational difference and also the just like the intensity of youth um right. and and there being absolute complete like very defensible truth on both sides of, of their conversation uh you know mm -hmm. i thought was terrific and i look forward to seeing what comes next i was also super there for his girlfriend when she's like okay you just need to stop irritatingly tapping the table are you yeah. gonna do something about this or not because if you're not gonna do something about it you can be pissed off about it for like five minutes and then i gotta study yeah no that that, that was very good <laughs> hopefully he'll enlist nova to help and that'll be fun yeah I think like I always enjoy Micah and Nova stuff, and I maybe do this too. is something where he can get his dad in on it too. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. yeah, provided Davis hasn't died yet or whatever is yeah, whatever is happening. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It, again, giving you way to kick it, write him off the show for a few episodes. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's about as good as a transition as we're gonna get. Let's move over to Supergirl and the Faithful and. Uh, I mean, yes, other things happened this this week, but it doesn't matter because what matters in this episode is Kyler Lee just crushing it and tearing out our hearts with her 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 speech to Kara with, mm -hmm. her, with with that scene where uh, you know Alex is just talking about how much she wants a kid and like fully acknowledging to herself what that means because like i know that we've, we've been very skeptical are they going to be able to write off the you know maggie in a way that's going to work and if they're going to go this route i think they're doing a pretty darn good job of it so far sure um <laughs> a lot of it i think is like I think it's coasting too much on like actor um, work to make a lot of this work. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I don't think that the writing up until like Alex's speech is really there. No. Um, and that's sort of an issue when we're four episodes in and this is our, like basically our central conflict mm -hmm. of like to drive these two people apart. And, and it's, and I, I basically can't get over like the original sin issue of like, this is something you should have talked about already, yeah but we're talking about it now. So it, it feels like the show is having to do catch up for their own yeah. um, poor planning. Yeah. And 
so it's it's a struggle for me to like acknowledge that it's doing well when I'm just like, but you're not because you should have like factored this into both of these characters who are for the most part fairly practical as well. Yeah. Um, that this isn't a discussion that they had prior to this. So you're having to do a lot of work and you're asking your actors to do a lot of the work as well, which is why that speech is very, very good and why um, Lee is very, very good in it. And like it sells basically everything that you need to do it. But I'm still just like, I can't get past the fact that this isn't a conversation they did not have beforehand. <laughs> Yeah, And so it's really difficult for me to give them too much, the show itself too much credit, as much as I can give Lee and um, Lima credit as well. So, yeah, it's just a weird, it's a weird sort of struggle for me where I just go, they're both very good in this, this plot that should not be happening this way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and even if they had structured at the beginning of the season, the way the conflict arises as, as them, one of them, probably Maggie, sitting the other one down and like at some point and be like okay so we kind of got engaged on a whim right because the intensity of what but like there's stuff that we should really touch base on right and like and and start with like planning a wedding (laughs) yeah and start with like money how are we gonna deal with money like like and going through that there's that checklist and family and like and then getting to kids and if you want to have it where they both assume the other one's on the same page as them there's yeah. a way you can have that come. So, like, there are certainly ways they could have structured the beginning of this season leading up to this episode, I think, to have that have that come together better uh, yeah. and not have us assume they've been, like, in full-on wedding planning mode for, for, what is it, six months or something and never talked about this. That, yeah. Or, like, maybe a flashback or something mm-hmm. would have worked. I don't know. But um, – they wanted to also have the celebration and the joy of the like the gayest wedding ever. <laughs> right, the biggest gayest wedding that yeah. uh, National City's ever, ever seen. seen. Um, and 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 I appreciate that. Uh, but I think like once they decided, uh, okay, we're, we'll have them split up because kid because kids. We haven't done the the legwork for that. We'll make it work in these episodes. I think they've done right. a pretty good job. And and again. Some yes, it's because of their actors and not because of the rest of the writing. But that speech is very well written. It is. It and is. It's the best written part of the episode. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. But also, and the stuff for Maggie, I thought was well written last week too, in the previous mm-hmm. episode. But yeah. it's also knowing to trust your actors and knowing yeah. that you have actors who can pull that off. And that right. <laughs> I was complaining about that um, just earlier in our conversation about uh, Chrissy's girlfriend. I didn't need. Uh, to have all those like, those interjections in in the the moment is me because I know the actor can just convey all that without the interjections and the interjections were distracting, so trust your actor to just yeah. carry that and the and more isn't always more you know and here <laughs> it's more is more yeah. in that scene. Uh, what about the rest of the episode? And this is you know this discovery that there is a cult to Supergirl. I think Chad Lowe is, like, really good in this episode. Yeah, right? Um, He's, like, I mean, he conveys the right amount of, like, creepy fanaticism without really going overboard with it. Mm -hmm. And just his whole performance, I think, works really, really well here. So I was was really into the, also, this very kind of low-key sort of threat. Not, like, blowing up a stadium is not not Mm low-key, but this isn't, like, someone punching their way through buildings or anything. This is just a guy who's got his hands on some bad Kryptonian technology. Mm -hmm. And I I really liked how 
it dealt with the sort of Supergirl hyped up obsession that the city has that has been stoked in no small part by Catco in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the episode doesn't really draw those connections, even if he, his character does acknowledge how much he really likes Catco. Yeah. <laughs> and so I really liked that it was really layered. I just didn't like the, how the resolution of it is sort of also intended to serve the larger big bad end realization thing that's going on with Rain and everyone. So it was good though. I enjoy, I had fun with the fact that they're just doing this kind of creepy slash slightly silly sort of cult thing. So I, I liked it. How did you feel about it? I thought it was a pretty good execute. Well, while we were yeah. criticizing some of the writing, there's some really, yeah. it's called freedom of speech. Like, and then yeah. literally the next line that she has, it's called freedom of religion. It's like, yeah, you can't do both of those. You yeah, because they're go, both the same thing, too. You can say, like, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, but you can't do, like, it, you know, it's called this. Yeah. It's called the. You have to say, we also have, like, nobody talks that way. Anyway, so the, the, the writing wasn't Well, they great. do, but on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's true. Um, the writing wasn't necessarily great, but I thought the... Uh, like for the dialogue, but I thought that the lowest performance is, is terrific, I think, here. And the decision to have it be a completely sincere right. cult was a very yeah. good one, rather than he's using this, explaining this to manipulate people. And like, yeah. we've seen that episode more, I think, yeah. Um, yeah. in different shows. So I thought that that worked well here. Um, I also continue to love everything with Lena and the stuff that they're doing with Sam, I think, is terrific. Um, they've incorporated her really organically. Uh, I think this like again, Katie McGrath has has chemistry with with that chair over there. So like, yeah. <laughs> she she works really nicely. Um, and uh, but the stressors about like tying the the dis- discussion around kids with Maggie and uh, Maggie and Alex to this fear of Sam's that she's failing as a mother to like all these other. I think there was enough again as with the previous episode. There was enough thematic ties that that yeah. worked really nicely. Um, the we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens next. But there were these again these these little moments of um, like Kara like remembering everybody who was there and the cult leader recognizing her. Um, I thought worked like the the that moment worked surprisingly well. Um, so like. I thought this was a strong, one of the stronger episodes they've done in a while, and I think they're, for me, they're doing a pretty darn good job this season. We'll see if they botch it. <laughs> right, Maybe's departure. Yeah. Um, and I also sort of, um, I feel we're going to need to have, I mean, obviously at the end of the season, we'll, we'd love to have Dr. Bridges back on, but I, I, mean, I will be looking out very actively for the queer community's response to that and how they feel like that was handled, because at a certain point, um, I don't think our opinions will matter that much about yeah. that, but uh, but yeah, I, I I really ended up enjoying this episode quite a bit. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Yeah, let's talk about the Flash and elongated journey into night, and this really does highlight season four's attempt to just straight up return to slapstick. Yeah, I don't know that it's completely working for me. Right. Yeah. But I I appreciate that. Um, it's a little too. It feels kind of try hard. Um, yeah. This episode in particular feels very try-hard. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think, that, like, having the elongated man's face, like, completely distort from sneezing was appropriately yeah. gross. 
Um, yes. So I, I thought this was a fun episode. However, you did make an excellent point as we were talking before we started recording that I think we should need to center our conversation around. And that was Noel. Right. Right. So Wally left last week because he's being sort of ignored um, and the team isn't utilizing him enough. And so he's like going to go off and search for his own thing. And then this week we end with Barry offering to train Dibby, Dibney um, to become the hero we all know he can be, to which I probably went, oh, so we traded out the black guy for the white guy with a different power set. That's some good writing right there, because Dibney will be recurring this season, and I just went, uh, show, no. Boo-arns. Yeah. Yeah, hmm? indeed. Oh. Uh, like, he adds a different element to it. There's more antagonistic yes. relationship there. Yes. Like, like, I get it. They wanted they to need a jerk the now that Harry's not a jerk really yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but um, writing out your black male action star, yeah, is not the way to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. If you're gonna have someone train, maybe you should have Wally train, right? The new white guy, <laughs> right? Well, while, while Barry's busy with wedding prep. Right. Wally was keeping the city safe for five months, five, yeah. six months, with the help of Citizen Steel every now and then. Every now and then. Central again, City's yeah. second most popular hero. Yeah. But... Elongated Man is in no danger of upsetting that ranking, yeah. Right, exactly. So it, it, as much as I like the sort of jerk addition to the team, since, again, Harry's not really a jerk anymore, and Jillian's, mm -hmm. uh, Julian, I should say, is, like, back in uh, England, mm -hmm. that... They need someone with a very different sort of energy, but also, and I, I understand that, but it just feels really weird to have your your action, your black action hero go, I'm going to go and find myself. Here's your new white guy. And it's just like, yeah. oh, guys. Gross. So it's really frustrating to watch. Um, but your point about this episode being really broad and silly, I think is really spot on. Um, as, even down to Cisco trying to hide from Breacher. And, um, <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. I appreciated the machete joke yeah. a lot. Yeah. It was very, very funny. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, something we've seen before, but B it's just sort of, it, it was very silly with him getting like tripped up in the harness mm -hmm. and trying to run away again. It, I appreciate the fact that they're really going whole hog on this, even if the episode maybe pushes it a little too far. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still it's still good. I'm still very happy with how silly the show is right now, especially yeah. compared to the doldrums of last year. Yeah, this is a bit of a spoiler for our conversation about Stranger Things season two, but I, I will always appreciate when the show remembers that it's superhero action like stars are all geniuses, too. Yeah. And let yeah. them use their... It's like, you can't use your powers, but you're, like, a freaking tech genius. So, like, right. come just, on. <laughs> yeah, just make a trap. Even if he does have a vibrating sword that somehow breaks through it. Just make yeah. a trap. Come on. Yeah. So so that that was... I enjoyed that that subplot. Yeah. And I'm continuing to enjoy the Cisco, Cisco and Gypsy stuff. So, um, yeah. What about Arrow and Reversal? We finally got the uh, reveal of Michael Emerson and just to yeah. save Black Siren. Uh, how did it work for you? Are you, like, uh, on board now? Are you ha satisfied with your commitment to check out this season just for Emerson? I'm shocked, Kate. Shocked that Michael Emerson is just playing Evil Finch. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked that's what they decided to go with. I'm shocked. I'm totally shocked. I'm not shocked at all. Um, I mean, he even calls her Ms. Lance, and it might as well just be Mr. Reese. 
And so I was just like, it's it's fine. It's very much within his wheelhouse. I don't really feel like this is a big departure for him from what he was playing on Person of Interest. Or I would have been a lot happier huh? and lost. Yeah, I would have been much happier if they had dug deeper and gone, maybe bring in a little bit of your practice character and go a little crazy. Um, but um, so I was just sort of like, oh, well, this is fine, but he's still a tech genius who's soft-spoken and has a mild distaste for violence or like a limited taste for it at least. Um, so, I mean, it's fine. I mean, he's quoting philosophers as well. I mean, this is all, again, very in his wheelhouse. So I just also kind of went, he played something really different on Claws. We can, he can do this, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> so I liked it. Um, the degree to which I'm, I'm probably going to stick around for like the remainder of this sort of like chunk of the season for like basically through the crossover. Mm-hmm. And then, like I did last season, um, I'll, well, I quit like sooner than that last season. Mm-hmm. I'll probably like bail after the end of the crossover, like the the conclusion of this particular arc, just because I'm not convinced that they can do anything particularly different with Caden James or whatever his name is mm-hmm. um, that they haven't necessarily done with him before. But I like the fact that they have a more like what they're doing with the Flash. They have a more cerebral based villain. Yeah. Which creates different dynamics for everyone. That you can't punch your way through this guy, even if he does have an army of mercenaries. Yeah, it also is a good way to um, center uh, Felicity and give her more to play. Uh, it lets us get a break from uh, from Ollie and all his angst. Um, I like that this season so far is just Stephen Amell doesn't want to do night scenes anymore. He's very <laughs> sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and it's it's working. It's a good change of pace for the show, and it it, it yeah. also works much better with this addition of his son it makes yeah. a lot more sense the the stuff with dig is still very stupid but um yeah but but i do like this and i, I like you said i i like the cerebral villain for them i think that's a, a very smart move after prometheus last year and um having it tie in personally more with felicity than with all the other things i also enjoy the way they've managed to keep oliver in the action scenes without having to be the green arrow like this week right. and then now he's off to to help Slade, um, so that's what the next episode will likely be. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> despite the being under significant scrutiny, but um, no, I, I thought it was a fun, a fun episode, a little bit more lighthearted, which I think was needed. Yeah, and uh, we'll see what comes next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our last episode for this week in drama and genre is Star Trek Discovery: uh, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad. Or the time loop episode. Um, question one: How are you feeling about the time the this version? Like, because we've seen many different time loop episodes. So, how how did Discovery uh, rank with some of the other ones you've seen? And how are you feeling about Harry Mud? And remind me, what is your relationship with Harry Mud? Have you seen the other Harry Mud episodes? I haven't seen the other Harry Mud episodes. So, okay. like his um, first appearance, like last week, I think a couple weeks ago. Yeah, a couple at, weeks at, ago at the, the prison. Right, at the Klingon prison episode um, was my first. I knew I knew that Mud was a canonical character from the um, original series, mm-hmm. but I'm yeah, I'm like ninety nine percent positive I've never seen a Mud episode of the original series, so I have no basis for any of that. I, but I look forward to hearing your thoughts about it. Um, but yeah, no, it's a perfectly fine time loop episode. Um, I like the how they sort of justify um, Rap's character um, being aware 
of what's happening and i it's always fun i always it's always my favorite bit of like the character aware of the time loop trying mightily to convince everyone there's a time loop happening yeah. and so i really appreciated like how what rap was doing there even if i do feel like the performance is veering way too close to tiki already mm-hmm. um but it's fun and that's really kind of what i was enjoying was the fact that it was fun and silly and we got the montage of mud just going i didn't really figure anything out this time around but i got to kill you that was really rewarding for me <laughs> and I've done it like 50 times and but now it's starting to get old and I would like to I would like to get on with my life now please and thank you. So I really appreciated everything that was happening with Mud and his his exploration of the time loops and it just felt like a it speaks to the other issue that I'm having with this show is that this does not feel like a episode of the show that exists within the previous six episodes that has happened because it's way too fun. It's way too silly. Um, and it's, it's a different energy even than what mud brought to his first appearance of like this sort of grouchy anti-federation guy, little guy sort of con job that he was running that, it felt more in line with sort of how I think Star Trek normally operates. And that was really weird. Um, which also speaks to probably why I enjoyed this episode as much as I did, because it is a great deal of fun, I think. Um, but how did you feel about it? How did you feel about, uh, this larger exposure to mud? And, um, how did you feel about the fact that even though it was just kind of a silly time loop episode, that it was a silly time loop episode that was supposed to really be about two people kissing a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, you should watch the Trouble with Tribbles. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, come is that on. the mud episode? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I've seen that episode. Yeah, and then you should watch Trial and Tribulation, uh, which is the DS9 one where they travel back to Trouble with Tribbles. Um, okay, well then you've seen a little bit, but yeah, I, I thought that that I, I know that there are different paints on this out there, but I like I don't have a very strong connection to mud. I don't like I've seen those episodes and I've a vague recollection of the character um, and the performance, but. Uh, people who have a stronger tie to original Trek might have different opinions on this. But for me, I think it's working. I think Rain Wilson is doing a good job. And this episode really, I think captures that the bravado and like yep. the showmanship of mud and is, uh, is like the, the levity of it, I think is, yep. is crucial. I, anytime you do a time loop episode, you, if you don't have that levity, then you know, you're kind of doing it wrong. There needs to be at least one, right? I'm trying to think yeah. of a time loop episode I've ever seen where there wasn't at least one moment of the character. Usually, it comes from the character who is experiencing the loop, knowing that what they're doing, like just like Groundhog Day style, just taking this one off, right? <laughs> like cracking a beer, you know. Um, but I, I, now that I've said that, I feel like that's wrong. I feel like there is at least one, maybe uh, uh, the X Files. Exploding yeah, bank. the X Files one isn't like particularly like no one really takes time off in that one. Yeah, but that was another. I, I enjoyed that one too. But um, yeah, yeah, I think this was a very Star Trek kind of episode for them right. to do. I think it was a smart one for them to do, and that uh, that they found a much better balance for me. 
between the characters and between the different tones that those characters bring. I am having trouble with Rab's performance um, and the writing for that character. And I thought this was a good spotlight episode for him, actually. I thought yes. it was a very good one. Uh, the best one he's had so far. But the trouble I'm having with the character is that now that we know he's got the tardigrade DNA and that's really affecting his personality, it's, I look back at the first episode like, oh, that's why he was such a caricature stick in the mud, mean and, and dashy. Yeah. yeah, for no reason, character, yeah. because they wanted to contrast that with the light and fluffy and totally chill version they're going to do later. And it's just, I think they could have done a better job. I think they could have done a more organic job with that. And if I was St- uh, Stamets, right? Yeah, Stamets. If I was Stamets' partner, I would, or husband, I would be very concerned. Right, as this a doctor, not he him. should be way more concerned than he is. It's a huge <laughs> shift in personality, and yeah, maybe he is, and we're just not seeing that yet, but I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, anyways, so there's that, but it was also very different in a fun way from most of the time episodes that I've seen, in that the main character was not the person experiencing right. the time loop. The main character of the show, or the main character of the episode. So it wasn't like a episode where we, the main character for this episode is this person because they're the one on the time loop. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought that that was a smart and fun way to do it. And I also liked that the they went a sincere route for the tell me something that no one would know that so you'll know right to believe me that felt that felt true to the characters yes. and it let us have that nice little moment that that delivery from rap was probably my favorite thing the whole episode of yeah i'm sorry um, yeah yeah so so i thought it was fun i thought it delivered i thought it was nice to see isaac do some comedy again it's been a yeah. while at least on the show um and yeah ending it all with <laughs> who was it that was hashtag space hot <laughs> showing up as mud's wife Oh, I don't know. She looked really familiar, but I didn't recognize her. No, no, no. That was Officer oh, Hot. From... That's who that was. No, I'm trying okay. to remember who came up with hashtag Space Hot on Twitter. Oh, that I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. one of the one of our Erper buddies on Twitter uh, came up with that. But um, so I thought that was a fun way to end it uh, with Stella. And um, yeah, I look forward to Mud showing up again at some point. Not immediately, but I think this was a good use of the character, and and it's a character that has enough baggage and history with fans that and is like a like i guess an epic enough character right to be this much of a foe for them that yeah. i think that that works well instead of having this be some new character like there's enough of an, an established history with that character and enough of an affinity for the character that this really he feels like a worthy adversary as opposed to like man that who's the super overpowered random person they bring in like when you realize it's harry mud you're like oh okay that makes sense yeah um, and 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 that's that's really playing on previous knowledge because the, the, his one episode in discovery is not enough to make you go. Oh, okay. That makes sense. But I think yeah. I thought it was a canny use of the Canon, the Star Trek Canon by the writers. And that's certainly something I appreciated. Um, how did you feel about, I mean, I feel like they're pushing the, the Michael and security guy thing a little too hard. I don't see it. Um, yeah, but I don't see it either. I did really like though, the scene we got with rap, and Sneak with Martin Green. I thought that, like, where they're dancing, I thought that was really sweet. And it's so lovely. I know other people have said this, but it is so lovely to see the dramatic thrust of an episode pivot on a, a, a character talking about 
how how they met their spouse, how they met their how a man talking on TV about how he met his husband, and the intent the the beauty in uh, of that relationship because again that's the kind of thing we don't see much in science fiction and that we have definitely never seen before on Trek. Yeah. Um, long overdue. I thought they handled that part of it nicely. Yeah, they did. And it was it was really touching. And it, it was a nice moment. It was yeah. a nice moment for the show to do. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Discovery? Or if this, not... is, this is the best I've liked Lorca, in part because he kept dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mud eating the sandwich. I just like shades. It was yeah. fun. fun. Um, what wins your week in drama and genre then? Um, DuckTales was really funny, to the, um, e- even though it was took place in Mummy, but I mean, I always enjoy a good burrito-based revolution. Uh-huh. Um, but um, I think I'll give it to Star Trek Discovery. I think this was the most fun I had um, in and enjoyed watching this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll give it to Star Trek Discovery this week, which feels weird and gross <laughs> um, to do. Uh, what about you? What was your week in drama and genre? Well, I did really enjoy Discovery in my notes here from Noel. It says, time loop shenanigans. And that's what it was. And I was yeah. overdue some shenanigans. Yes. Uh, certainly with time time travel shenanigans with Discovery. Um, but I'm, like, torn between Queen Sugar and Supergirl. Um, I think I'll give it to Supergirl for the for the legion of ants, of, of kick-ass <laughs> ants, and for the idea of Alex teaching her daughter how to punch. I think that was a beautiful sentiment so uh well it was not the best episode i watched this week it's probably the one that stuck with me the most so i'll give it to supergirl um now we will take a break and come back with our conversation about stranger things season two Weird. 
that was a trailer from Netflix for season two of Stranger Things, uh, which I know I was very excited to have back uh, recently. Certainly like just in time for Halloween. Good job on this one, Netflix. They don't always do a good job on their timings for when to release things, but this was very appropriate. Um, nine episodes this season, which I think was a good call. When I saw that there were nine episodes, I was very happy because, you know, that means they started at 10 and they're like, mm, you know, we don't quite have. Let's let's cut it down, which was a good call. Um so, Noel, how were you feeling about season two going into it? And did it deliver? Because some people were really hyped. Some people were like, why are we even doing a season two? So what did you think about it? I was sort of in the I don't really need a season two camp, um, uh, folks. So I'm kind of glad that we're getting one. But I was also but when they were just like, maybe we can do five. And I just went, oh, no, no, no. Didn't they uh, cut it to four? Or what maybe it? like they're aiming for like four or five right mm-hmm. now um so that's too many but yeah and i feel like that's too many um especially based on like this season uh which i was generally fine with um i enjoyed like some elements of it um more than others um which is a very generic thing to say but it's also really accurate this time um but i think one of my big things with it is that it's such an aggressively self-aware sequel that it's sort of distractingly so, including nods to other sequels that they're doing. Um, so, like, that I felt like was a little on the nose in a way that it didn't necessarily feel as on the nose last season to me anyway. Um, but just even things of, like, how do we, how do we, how do we, like, do bigger than alphabet Christmas tree lights? well, let's do a whole sketch of the town and crayon and paste it and tape it around the house. And I just went, guys, this looks really cool. And I dig it. But this is very clearly we're trying to one-up ourselves. <laughs> yeah, there's some of that. Um, I think I, I, I think I like this season significantly more than you did, Noel. Because yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. It did not have anywhere near the impact on me as my viewing of season one did. Right. Um, just because the surprise of, of the discovery of season one yeah, was really exciting for me. Yeah. Uh, and so it was never going to have that. But I did really like a lot of what we got. Um, but I was a little disappointed in some of the decisions. I think nine was actually too many episodes. I yep. could I would have just cut the whole, like They needed to level up 11. But yes. they didn't know what to do with her for the rest of the season. And the stuff that they gave, the episode, they, I could have just cut that whole episode. Like, that was that just felt like, hey, guys, we're going to do a season three. Yeah. This is going to be no, season three. No, it is. Three. And <laughs> that's sort of where I fall with a lot of this is that we're going to do a season three, guys. And that's kind of where I ended up falling with a lot of this, including, like, Max and Billy, mm-hmm. who I really like Max. I really hate Billy. And not but, in the uh, good way. And not in a good way, in a, this is a bad character, mm-hmm. and his abusive house, his abusive household and father does not justify him being a racist and abusive asshole yeah. to everyone around him. Yeah. Um, and so it's a sort of a thing where, well, don't worry, we'll make him better next season? We'll rehabilitate him like we re- rehabilitated Steve this season. And it's just like, no, really? I don't really do you want you to. Do you think they're going to do that? I don't think they're going <laughs> to no, do that. No, I hope. I don't think they're going to do that either, but I'm just saying that, like, there's, we're going to deepen him some way. And it's just like, no, I don't really think you need to. And I don't really need him here either. So, 
Yeah. It's sort of like a, a, a lot of this felt like we're going to do a season three. And that that was a real struggle for me, including like the um, the entirety of episode seven, which I've been calling them it Eleven's Dagobah episode mm -hmm. since she goes out into the world to learn more about her powers from a very manipulative Yoda <laughs> and then has a vision of her friends in danger and leaves before her training is complete to go save them. It's Empire <laughs> Strikes Back, Kate, all the way through. And I mean, it's just, it feeds into the other thing that I was sort of struggling with in that a lot of this is very sequely, even down to the whole, we have more demigorgons this time, but they're dogs. Mm -hmm. So it feels more like aliens in yeah. a lot of ways, which is appropriate considering that Paul Reiser shows up since he was in Aliens. But they don't even give Paul Reiser enough to do this in this. I and... liked I liked the deployment of Paul Reiser. I thought that yeah. it was an appropriate amount. I liked that they subvert our because with that casting, you're like, oh, I see what they're doing here. But then yeah. they subvert our expectations by having him not actually be straight up evil. Yeah, um, he's not Burke, which is yeah, yeah, which is good because he's set up to be Burke. Um, yeah. and let's okay, let's circle back to Billy quickly because I have one more thing right. I want to say about Billy. Sure. Um, and then I can just happily not talk about him ever again. Um, so they, is he always shirtless? Well, yeah, there's that. That's part of it. Um, they've done a terrific job with the casting on this show. Yes. Until Billy. Yeah. Because the actor is just fine, but he's way too old. Like, he looks way too old. He's yeah. The actor's only 22, so he's, like, if you're trying to buy him as, like, a 17-year-old, 18-year-old senior or something, it's not actually that, like, in ages, not that yeah. big a stretch, but Steve looks like he could be a high schooler. Yes. And Jonathan is a little older, but he looks like he could be, or at least in the first season, he could be a high yeah. schooler. Steve in no way looks like a high schooler, and they try to have some fun with that, but like especially when he's got like those insane six-pack abs or whatever, nobody has those abs in high school, and certainly not in the 80s before everybody was seeing that modeled for them all over the place in the sense right. that like, that was not the physical ideal in the, yeah. in the 80s, and so it's just absurd, and then they have him show up. We're supposed to buy the mom getting all hot and bothered. This is Wheeler, right? Is and, very aggressively turned on by him, and it's super creepy. And yes. like, be, and you're like, okay, well, he's actually he he doesn't actually look like he's in high school, but we're supposed to think he is. And so, what he would actually looks look like this scene is very creepy. Yes, but, but what he what the what that character should look like this scene is creepy. What the, what the actor looks like. The scene is not creepy and can be played for comedy. And yeah. I, I'm not okay with that. I'm yeah. not, a, like as someone who interacts with kids all the time and all sorts of different ages from very young up to, to seniors in high school, like it is creepy. It is very, yes. very creepy when shows do moments like that. That's not yes. funny. Um, no, it's not. So, and so yeah, I had, that, that was the biggest trouble. Yes. He's a cartoon character. And yes, it's very satisfying to watch Steve <laughs> punch, punch the crap out of him and then get destroyed. But, yeah. like... You put up a really good fight, but he, he destroyed you. He destroyed, <laughs> yeah, but that still, like... It's a really a shame, because that is the, the one, for me, the one gap in their casting for the young characters on the show. Yeah. Right, because the, the woman that they cast for Max is very good, mm -hmm. considering kind of the cliche, threadbare material that she has to work with. Um, she's very, very good in what she's given. Um, but 
yeah, he's just a mess. And like that representation of the scene with Mrs. Wheeler is really horrible because Mrs. Wheeler knows how to do a night in clearly. Yeah. Like that is also my night in. It's <laughs> all of it, like top to bottom. That is my night in. Yeah. And so having this succulent teenager show up with the great ass and mm. that has been established to us like a couple of times by that point. Yeah. And it's just like, this is weird. But the joke was the joke was in the bathroom and her husband sleeping in the chair. That was the joke. Uh-huh. This is not the joke. This is gross. Or just like showing the scene from Billy's perspective and having right. that be the scene from his perspective and then from her perspective is completely different. That yeah. would have worked. But that is not what we got here. So That's not what we got. let's move on from Billy. Let's pivot from Billy to Steve. Right. And this the best babysitter ever. Yeah, the, like this is the scene, the season of Steve. This is the season yes. of Bob, who we will get to. This is the season of Lucas's little sister. <laughs> but the big one for me is is Steve, and I really liked what we got here from yeah. Steve. It felt organic with what we saw in the previous season. I felt like I could see the the, the change in the growth in the character. Um, it made sense given all the trauma he experienced last season that that would be his reaction to it. Um, I had super fun with him and Dustin and like the notion of him kind of taking Dustin under his wing, I thought was, it was, was really worked well. And, and, and then be like, there was enough dweeb to Steve still that I bought it. And I'm like, the kids be like, why do you think I have Steve? I would, if there was anybody else, I wouldn't have gotten Steve. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought, I thought that that stuff all really worked. And because of the timeline of the season, it like, they they have to work too hard to separate everybody and it takes too long oh. to come back together. But because of the timeline of the season, um, I buy like again, it's just another like crappy week. Not even week, like day. Day yeah. for Steve. This is like this shining amazingness for Steve. But really it's just in tough situations, you expect Steve to not come through. But he does. And I like his, yeah. his his answer at the end that apparently I'm a really good babysitter. <laughs> yeah. Which, babysitter of the year, clearly. Uh, right. How did you feel about the Steve? Uh, like, the, no, like the stuff for him this season, did it work? Or did it feel like they rewrote the character so we would like him? No, I don't think that they rewrote the character. I think a lot of it hinges on the juxtaposition of especially where Nancy is. Mm-hmm. And um, also the fact that a lot of this also sort of helps with some of the Dustin issues of this season. Yeah. That they pair him with this sort of character that we just didn't like, the character that when we see Nancy with him at the end of the first season, we all kind of groaned again. Yeah. Um, And now we're just like, wait, no, I kind of like Steve now. Why are you breaking up with him? Yeah. And then by the end going like, oh no, I really like Steve. Why did you break up with him? (laughs) And no, like your whole point about dweeb and like... His willingness to like open up to Dustin, I think, is really cool. About I use Farrah Fawcett hairspray, and it's just like <laughs> this is very good. This is very good stuff. And yeah. like leading up to the punchline of like styling Dustin's hair yeah, yeah. in a Steve style mm-hmm. is really delightful. Even if it becomes slightly creepy when Nancy dances with him, and you go, "All right, I'm confused about what I'm supposed to be feeling here." Oh, I thought that that was <laughs> no, no. It's there's very an, cute. There's enough of but, an age gap there that right, I think, yeah. you know, but... But I mean, it's like a stand-in sort of for Steve because of his hair and everything. 
Um, but yeah. no, that scene is very, very cute. Um, and, and it really pays off um, from season one when what? Dustin's the one who's like, no, I mean, like, when he's the one who goes to offer a pizza and, and the fact that she's like, I like you best of my brother's friends. And yeah. he's like, no, this is just pretty cool. I mean, like, she's still, you know, a girl, but, you know, yeah. I thought that, that was fun. Um, no, he, gets yeah. to, he just gets to do so much fun stuff. And his whole like his whole desire to protect these kids but also to go along with them because he mm-hmm. knows that they're doing the right thing yeah. um it's just it's really it's really nice to see that play out and mm-hmm. so and Joe Carey Carey does a really good job of striking really frustrated but also like a desire to do this as well yeah. like he wants to be seen as redeemed in some way and i really like how all of that comes through with Steve this season Definitely favorite pop culture baseball bat, with the obvious exception of hot sauce, right. which has honorary status. But like Negan's bat, sorry, sorry, Steve's <laughs> bat wins. Yeah, um, and just like, <laughs> like, like, like the 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 dialogue for him, we just keeps calling these guys little little shits. Yeah, and like the like you twerps are gonna like and like. I, there's enough that antagonism remains, and that like. Yeah dominance through language in the way he interacts with them that feels absolutely uh, appropriate for the for the ages and for the character uh yeah it, it was super fun he was super fun <laughs> there's always a, that like you said that exasperation in interest like like like, like when we see them leave max be- behind and then she goes like well what am i gonna do wander around in the woods by myself i guess i'm going yeah. with you guys yeah <laughs> um, yeah it was it was it was certainly it was certainly fun um yeah, it was the season of Steve. Um, it was also the season of Bob. And I will say I thought that they were trying too hard with him at the beginning of the season. I still think the I don't know how, how much Aston's performance really, like, helped the writing for the, the character. But I did love that in, you get to the climax of, of at least his arc. And it's literally like the nerd saving the day with basic. Like, yeah. And and then not not having it be that he can't run fast enough, you know, having it. No, it's that Hopper's really bad at his job. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and like that's so so he does run fast enough to get away. <laughs> like yeah. his thing is smarts, his thing is not running. But thankfully, they didn't have running taken down. Um, so I, I felt that the way that they dealt with that was was a lot of fun and, and really terrific. The, the Goonie shots were a bit much, but like, but yeah. I'm sure people loved them. How'd you feel about Bob? I like Bob fine, even if by the second episode of the second time he showed up, I just went, okay, so Bob's either going to die or he's in league with Paul Reiser because no one seems to remember him from high school. <laughs> and so it's just like, either he's a double agent or he's going to die. Yeah. And like, um, so that was something that like surfaced really quickly while I was watching. And so I was sort of disappointed that he died. I was hoping yeah. for like a face heel turn yeah. um, to happen because uh, I like Sean Astin when he gets to like play not Sean Astin, basically. <laughs> and so I was hoping for that. But I was also just sort of I never really latched on to Bob in the way you did. Mm-hmm. So like when he died, I just went, oh, you satisfied your two narratively required plot beats of figuring out the map and knowing basic. That was all you were here for, Bob. Um, well, like that turn from Bob with like the being exasperated with the thing and being like, and, th- and then when the puzzle clicks in and he figures out the map, and yeah. just like that was that was, I love I I, lo- I love that so much. I was 
It's like, this is stupid. Why weren't you talking to me? Oh, that's this, though. But, like, yeah. and I solved it now. So I'm, now I've distracted myself. <laughs> like, yeah. I've, I have been that person. I have been in conversations with someone else while they're being that person. Um, like, this is very stupid. Why are we wasting your time with this? But the answer is three. It's very clear. And that means that this is this and this and that. And then you've sufficiently distracted them from what you're trying to distract them from. Um, yeah. No, it's it, that that was that was the moment that pivoted me on Bob the map. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I absolutely hear what you're saying. But with with the narrative purposes, because that's clearly what he's there to do. Yeah. Um, but I think it was also important if you were on board with Bob, then later on in the season, I think you needed something of that intensity to get uh winona rider <laughs> mom <laughs> to joyce joyce thank you going all in with the, like the heat and the seeing will and pain and being willing to to go put him that. in a frosty black slide <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that too uh but 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 if, i don't think she would have uh, gone with that if there wasn't right. like it's so like the shot of Back to her dancing with Bob and having that be the memory that drives her and not of his like corpse, you know, and everything I thought was was a really smart decision. And and that that sort of made let me kind of forgive them for doing the cliche thing with the character. Um, Yeah. Did that. So did that matter for you or do you think that earned it or no? Not for you. No, because a lot of it also like I kept focusing on the fact that Harper Hopper Hopper was outside for some inexplicable reason, even though all the dogs are inside. Yeah. And it's just like, and you've got the gun. Why are you outside? Oh, right, because we need to kill Bob so that we can motivate everything that happens with Joy. So it's yeah. like, it's way too, it's not seamless enough. And yeah. it's justifying, it's trying to justify way too many tropes and really bad tropes mm-hmm. without playing with them in any way, which is, what stranger things can do but in this case they didn't and it's just like but he's got the gun why is he outside right now this doesn't because make he's any protecting sense the kids they weren't there yet they, no no the kids were there will was there and mike oh, was right yeah but they weren't in any the, all the dogs were inside <laughs> you don't know that if you're them those dogs busted through glass how do you know they didn't go out a window and come around the side like i didn't have trouble with that yeah, no, I had a huge issue with it. I was just like, you're outside only so that Bob can get eaten. Yeah, that's, that is true. Yeah. However, it didn't bother me as much as it did you, though. I, I hear where you're coming from. Um, We need to talk, before we run out of time, we got to talk a bit about Dustin and how they yeah. threw Dustin under the bus this season. So hard. Like, Hardcore. aggressively hard. Yeah. yeah. No, like, ugh. I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand what they were doing at all with him. Mm-hmm this season apart from they wanted the stuff with steve to happen mm-hmm. but it's just like dustin's really bad this season yeah like and it's it's really not okay they needed to make dart way cuter than they did right for us to like buy like, like as soon as soon as that i started i watched the first two episodes i watched the very beginning of the third episode and then i had like several days in between when i could watch them and as soon as that cat hissed i was like you believe that cat are you kidding me are you kidding me dustin how of how much of an idiot are you especially as somebody who was right the all season one and nobody listened to dustin but he was right every time like (laughs) to have him then be so completely oblivious like he was he was the character of of like stealth uh observation and like yeah clarity you know right and here he doesn't realize he's an et 
Yeah, well, it's just like or a he bad thinks, ET. He thinks he's an ET. You can see they did right. put an ET doll in yeah. on his desk. Uh, like he thinks he's in ET, but it's like you know that your like one of your best friends has been having like visions of of the upside down with everything that happened last year and where it happened. Like, why would you possibly think that this could be good? And I think if the show had done made a couple different decisions with like the scoring and stuff, they could have like let us think like let us like down the path of a comedy thing with that or a happy ending with that more actively that would have worked better because it's just so obviously gonna yeah. go exactly where it does that yeah. they throw they, they hardcore threw Dustin under the bus I think they earned back some goodwill with the way they had uh, like the, the stuff they gave him and Lucas around Max later in the season I thought was actually really well done like the actors these kid actors these child actors are really good yeah. um, so I thought they nailed that stuff uh, but it still was very disappointing. When they're having that argument in the woods, I was like, I was just sitting there. I was like, I could just watch this all day. It's like, it's no different than you. It's like, well, you did this. And you did this. Like, that is kids. That is so kids. Yeah. Billy is not kids. This is kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, and you're totally right. And the only other thing, I felt really bad for Dustin's mom. Because mm. um, oh, she's God. A, she lost her cat, but she also has, like, a Mondale Ferraro sign in her yard. Yeah. And it's just a lot of disappointment all the way around 1984 for that lady. <laughs> yeah. It's, very, it's a very bad year for her. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, indeed. Indeed. Uh, um, yeah, the, he wasn't sad enough about the cat. No, he was not. He didn't care. And that's, that's like... I think I think I do think there's something to be said for like priorities. Like when he's like Steve, yeah. your love life doesn't matter. Like the priorities of like this thing, Dart ate my cat. Like yeah. that that is what takes precedence. But like it would have been nice if he had if you saw him being more upset about it later, like when he was burying the cat or something, or like like it would be it would have been nice if we had seen something because that's like ha I start looking for behavioral disorders <laughs> in a <laughs> in a kid kind of level, not caring that your your cat is dead. Um, yeah. Uh, Erica is fabulous. More for next season. That's all I have to say about Erica. Yeah, that's um, all I got. I like that they gave Lucas so much. There was a clearly a concerted effort. Lucas is getting parents are bad on that guys. Lucas yeah. getting a sister. Lucas Lucas is getting getting a love interest. <laughs> like they very actively were like that is our bad. Let's not. Uh, let's let's not have the only character of color in this show be the one who barely exists. Yeah, yeah. And also, but I also appreciated the continuation of why do I have to be Lando? Why do I have to be Winston? Um, <laughs> so I appreciated that that coming through. Um, but like going back to the boys and the kids, basically in general, I was really frustrated by how the show kind of kept like actively keeping everyone apart. Yeah. Um, and that was really that was a big struggle, and I really like disliked. Sorry how very little like Mike had to do this this season apart from I'm very concerned about Will and I'm just like but this one Winona Ryder is here for is to be concerned about Will yeah um so what are you doing exactly right now Mike you're waiting for Eleven to show back up that's literally yeah. all that's happening with Mike in this season it's like yeah when's Eleven gonna come back I miss Eleven I don't mm. really care about anything else that's happening right now and it's just like but everyone's like really it, everyone's like really actively spread out in a way that I think doesn't help like the energy of the show so like when you're talking about like that argument between dustin and lucas that was very good and but 
that was between two of them and everyone else is just a little scattered now and yeah. it was really frustrating to watch that because again this is an ensemble of really strong choices and casting but everyone's sort of off doing their own thing or not doing anything mm-hmm. and it's it was really sort of frustrating to watch that sort of happen and i was it it, it, it subtracted a lot of my enjoyment from the show that the party was split apart for too yeah. long because also everyone knows when you play Dungeons and Dragons, you don't split up the party because that's when the party dies. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, not a good call. Um, and, and that's something thinking about for upcoming seasons where it's like, mm-hmm. you guys need fewer episodes because you, then you won't have to come up with reasons for characters to split up apart in right. the same way. And the first season focused so completely on the kids and yeah. and Joyce and Hopper and like that was it yeah. that the here fleshing out the world is great and it gives them more to do gives them more to explore but then you have to take time away from other characters yeah. and because they all know stuff you can't have them slowly discover stuff so that you know then you have to come up with new things for them to do and that uh, is something that yeah ha- breaking them apart gives them reasons that they can't all share knowledge but it gets to be a bit a bit much a bit much and then nancy and jonathan ended up on their own show yeah and, and gelman's fun and all but like we didn't need any of that that was a total waste no. of time yeah it was just a reason for them to not be around so that right <laughs> dustin had to hang out with steve <laughs> right and so that when things went really bad with will they went really bad with will and no one knew <laughs> yeah yeah indeed um any final thoughts on these? Like we haven't we haven't talked about just and, and Hopper. Um, how'd you feel about the performances? The you know what they gave the characters to do. Like everybody in this town seems really hung up on a high school. Bob certainly is, and <laughs> Hopper is a bit too. Uh, any thoughts on on the parents? I I mean the parents and Hopper. Well, he's a surrogate parent at this point. Yeah. Um, and he's he's at least involved uh, mm-hmm. to the degree that Joyce is, which is nice considering how uninvolved everyone else's parents are in these kids' lives. Yeah. Um, but I, it's all fine, I think. Like, I mean, I, I sort of, like, keep balking at how much the show's trying to drive Joyce and Hopper together. Yeah. Because um, it's, like, getting really aggressive. Well, not <laughs> as much as the, the, the stuff with Jonathan and... Uh... and- Nancy and Nancy, which right. they don't have any chemistry. Zero. I was like waiting for 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 when they're sitting instead of them them hooking up for it for 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 him to come out as gay or something. Yeah, that explaining why there's no chemistry there at all. No, I, um, no, and then that really didn't happen. No. But so yeah. yeah, no, like Joyce and Joyce and Hopper were fine. I think Joyce still kind of falls into the frantic parent thing right until the end, mm-hmm. where she gets like that steely resolve that you were talking about. Yeah. And then the character really clicks into place um in a way that I feel like hadn't before. Mm-hmm. But I also think that Hopper just makes a series of like really ridiculous decisions that don't make any sense in this season, mm-hmm. from not caring about all those pumpkins decaying at the very beginning because because yeah. we can't have an explanation right away yeah. to again, how he handled like the breakout from the ho- the lab, I should say. Mm-hmm. And it, but everything that he does with 11, I think is really, really good and funneled in degrees of insecurity about his own daughter. Um, and just all this sort of stuff that I really, really liked all of that stuff. So all the Hopper and 11 stuff worked really, really well for me. And so like their whole conversation in the truck was like everything I ever wanted. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, well, and waiting until that point of the season to right. bring his daughter back up was very yes. smart. Was very smart. So the parents in general were just sort of fine. I I like them much more at the end of the season where mm-hmm. everything suddenly had speed and traction as opposed to we need you to not do anything for a little while because. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, Nancy was a little too focused on Barb. That felt very much informed by the audience reaction to Barb. Right. Yes. Um, which makes sense for her character. Like, don't get me wrong. That totally makes sense. But like the it it dragged down the narrative momentum of what yeah. we were we were watching um and the there was i thought there was just too much well we saw it already there's too much fracturing of the group there's too much um here's the pumpkins it's gonna take us a while we're spending time at the precinct yes i enjoyed the cops that they have there but there's too much time there and we're gonna bring gelman in to talk to hopper so that hopper can dismiss him so that he can come back later for a completely extraneous not necessary element like they didn't need gelman at all they could have just sent that tape directly to newspapers themselves like yeah anyway they're dumb teenagers what do they know plus they needed to hook up in a safe space yeah oh god (laughs) Anyways, like, so, so it, 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 and I really did enjoy the season. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, but it, there's still are very clearly things for them to keep calibrating and fixing. Yeah. Um, I was not happy to see the ending, uh, where it turns the upside down and the monster is still like the notion of like, okay, they didn't defeat the monster. They just got it out of this, this dimension. Yeah. Um, I thought was, was good, but again, why does that have to be your ending? Right, it's, no, it's, like that's what the story's about. It's about the kids. It's not about the monster. Yeah. No, when they when they did the whole upside down thing, I just went, oh, okay, we're going to do upside down, and then the monster's like over the upside down version of the school. I just went, yeah. oh, whatever. I don't care about that. <laughs> as long as I need in the next season, Will needs to be completely fine. He needs to be a proactive element of the cast. Right, even though I feel like there's not enough therapy in the world to make that happen. No. I mean, he's lived in two different dimensions. Yeah. Um. He's had visions of two different dimensions. He's been possessed by an alternate dimension demon or yeah. creature. He's yeah. been tortured by his own family and friends. Yeah. Um. I don't really feel like he's going to be okay. No. But <laughs> as opposed to like just again being a vessel for right for something for, for bad. Everything else, like yeah. yeah, a vehicle for trauma. So yeah. we'll see what they do. I just like. Because I, I enjoy these characters so much. I enjoy these performers yeah, a no, lot. I like the world, all that stuff. Um, but I would be much more interested in a next season that dealt with, like, Eleven stuff. C- no upside down. Completely different. Yeah. Like, they get wrapped up in a completely new mystery what, it, it, instead of tying everything to the upside down. Yeah, and um, Matthew Modine may still be alive. And it's yeah. just like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, any final thoughts on Stranger Things? Do you still recommend it to people? Because we recommended season one. Right. And I probably would, I think, mm-hmm. um, as long as you sort of like just did it all in a go. I think pacing it out would really hurt watching mm-hmm. this because um, the seams would be really apparent. Like I did like I did like five episodes basically in a sitting mm-hmm. and then didn't get to the last four until later. Mm-hmm. and had to spread those four out a little bit and just went, oh, this was a bad idea because now I'm thinking too much about the show. And I don't think this season in particular benefits from having too critical of an like an awareness of what the seams are really apparent, I think, yeah. this season in a way that they weren't apparent last season. And so I recommend it just for like the Steve of it all. 
Yeah. Um, I think would be how I framed it is like, yeah, you maybe didn't like Steve in season one, but you're going to love him in season two. <laughs> and that's kind of where I fall. Um, yeah. But I think you would recommend it a lot more heartily than I would. Yeah. Even if maybe I've convinced you you were wrong, maybe no. <laughs> no, because I still so. like it. But, I, but you're absolutely right with your criticism, criticisms yeah. of it. I think people who go into the season expecting it like with it being overly hyped for them or expecting like greatness will be very disappointed the reason that season one was so effective for me was because of the mystery and all this but the scares and the atmosphere and all this but it was because of the characters because i like spending time with those kids and yeah. i still like spending time with those kids so that's why i'm connecting to season two um but if you go in expecting it to be like the most amazing thing that's gonna blow your mind and then they just a cool thing where she floats and there's like a no that's not good like you're gonna see all the plotting coming ahead so you have to enjoy the ride if you're not gonna yeah. be able to this you're not the kind of viewer who enjoys the ride then like bump it down your prayer list i would agree if you have like an open weekend or like you're sick or something spacing yeah. it out like between two or three days is a good way to do it or all in one if you got like absolutely nothing to do <laughs> just yeah. do nine episodes but like yeah doing like three through three or doing five and four or something like that i think would help your appreciation of it but yeah i had, yeah. I had found i was glad that i got to spend more time in 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 hawkins with these characters even if they poor dustin they just totally i need i need redemption for dustin in season three more erica I feel like Erica Dustin stuff would also be excellent. Oh yeah, that's all I need from season three is Erica and Dustin interacting now. Cause... Well, Steve babysits. Yes. Oh, we have a web series right now. I need Dustin to DM a game for Steve and Erica. Yes, I'm here for that. Like the the uh, the the Freaks and Geeks style, like the second to last episode of Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, disco and dragons or whatever it is. Um, yeah. yeah, I need one of those. I would be yeah. super down for that. Yeah. Um, a few, <laughs> a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, which is the website for the podcast. You can email us theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, like the page, and start up a conversation there. Or you can find us in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also up on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. It helps people find the show and lets us know that y'all are actually listening. <laughs> um, and then of course you can also <laughs> reach out to both of us on uh, Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. And thank you as ever, Noel. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Kate. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm -hmm.